0: You've heard, you've heard Slade. Probably. Slade. Come on, feel the noise, Mama. Oh. We're all crazy now. Oh, Okay. Yeah, that's okay. Slade. I'm no like shit. obsessed with Slade right
1: now. And that song was called "Them Monkeys Can't Swim."
0: Them, them, monk, them kind of monkeys can't swing. Swing.
1: That makes sense. Um,
0: <laughs> that's a band I've known my whole life. I just.
1: So they sing, "Come on, feel the noise."
0: Yeah, they wrote that. Oh, right on. And Mama, we're all crazy now. So they're like a what, mid 80s? No. So the w- w- one of the reasons I'm like obsessed with them is this. They're ahead of their time. This one particular show they did uh, at the Reading Festival in 1980. You got to go back. Slade started in the late 60s. Wow. And by the mid 70s, they had something like 20, uh, 17 songs go in like the top 10. No, In kidding. England, and three of them went to number one. And they have they released like a famous Christmas song. It's "Merry Christmas Everybody" by Slade. It was like a huge hit. They were huge in England. They never broke in America for some reason. They they toured. Come on, here. I feel the noise did. They but they never broke in America. Like so, they moved to America in 1975. I think New York, and they recorded a couple of albums in New York. They still didn't break. In America, they sold millions of albums in the UK and they just never like went over like Led Zeppelin or the Stones.
1: <laughs> went over like a Led Zeppelin. So <laughs> no. by the late
0: 70s, they moved back to England and they're kind of washed up. They've pl- they're gone from like an arena rock band to playing uh, like 500 seat clubs. Wow. So they broke up mm. in like 79. Wow. And late '79, early '80s, nineteen eighty, the nineteen eighty Reading Festival, which is like three day music festival. That might have been what like Monsters of Rock, which then turned into the Download. Mm-hmm. Well, they had it three days, and the third day was the heavy metal day. The headliner was White Snake. This is nineteen eighty, remember? So right. it's all, um, all the Def Leppard has a really famous. Uh, appearance at that show where they got pelted with like cans of piss and beer and they didn't go well. Oh boy. Go over well. <clears throat> yeah. So Ozzy's supposed to be the go on before Whitesnake. Ozzy cancels with a week to go because he's, the band's not ready. Because he's, he's just left Black Sabbath. Oh. The first album has just come out or is coming out and the Ozzy's band is not ready to play live yet. So the promoter calls everybody and their brother like who can we get to fill this slot nobody's available calls slade can you guys do this show no we're broke up like oh. look if you get breaking up and you're gonna retire go out on a big show sure the guitarist uh, the manager was uh chas chandler who was Jimi hendrix's manager he was the bass player from the animals really famous guy he had to like go out to the guitarist house, Dave Hill, and, like, beg him, like, come do the show. Like, if you if you guys are gonna end, come do the show. So Slade, uh, three days before the show, they commit, they, like, when you hear the singer Naughty Holder tell the story, like, they didn't even have backstage passes, they didn't have parking passes, they had to park, they had to drive in with their own gear and park in the lot with the fans and push their own gear through the crowd. Wow. And... The whole, sh- like, none of the bands are going over well. Like, Def Leppard has, like, an infamous performance from that. It was supposed to be their big homecoming. And it was not And it didn't, they didn't go over well. Wow. And uh, Slade goes out there and just fucking, like, this, it's a heavy metal crowd. It's, like, all young heavy metal fans. And, and Slade are, like, old men, like early 70s and late 60s rockers and they fucking owned the show. They're fucking amazing and actually have the album. It's called Live at Reading, So you can actually hear it. It's not just like a rumor. Like it actually happened. So they blow through their whole set and they walk off stage and the promoter's like, you got to go back out there. (laughs) And that doesn't happen for the supporting act. Like you don't do an encore. So they go back out, comes back off again. You got to go back out there. So you send him back out there like three times. Finally, he's like, what do you want to hear? And they're, all the kids are like, Merry Christmas. We want to hear the Christmas song. And he's like, it's August. He's like, I'll start you off. And then fucking 60,000 fucking metalheads in the middle of August are singing Merry Christmas, everybody. Wow! And it's like, the, it's such a fucking awesome story. It's like my favorite, favorite story in all of rock.
1: That's an amazing story. And then they
0: finally broke in America in like 83 with uh, Runaway, Run Runaway. Yeah. But they yeah. didn't tour. Like they got... One of them got sick. The bass player got sick right when they went out on tour with Ozzy. He got sick and that was it. They never toured again. Wow. But they finally, yeah, they finally broke America. and then Quiet Riot covered them and I think they probably made more off royalties than that.
1: Holy shit.
0: Did we just spend the first 10 minutes with me talking about Slade? Yeah. Yeah, fuck it.
1: Yeah. That's okay. I don't <laughs> even think it was 10 minutes.
0: Last time I was here I was like, felt like I was really reserved and I'm like, my mom might hear this. I don't want to swear. <laughs> Yeah. And she's gone, so Dude, yeah. Fuck I, I'm shit. very sorry to pass. hear you your mom. Man. Thank you. That sucks. It sucks. It's life. Yeah. You don't have to deal with it. How old was your mom? Eighty one. Eighty one. Yeah. It's a long time. But did
1: she how how did she pass?
0: I think she was sick for a long time yeah. and months and probably didn't realize it. Uh, not she, long enough. She was losing weight and she was doctor couldn't figure out why. Essentially, like, Damn. it was an issue with her intestines. Damn. Um, Had just become, like, uh, sick. Yeah. You know, and he just stopped working.
1: I said 81's a long time to live, but it's it's, it's not that long.
0: Yeah, I mean.
1: That sucks, man. I'm sorry.
0: Thank you. I mean, it's part, you know, she passed peacefully. It happened fast, peacefully. It was kind of just the shock That's of how pretty. fast it happened. Ugh. But.
1: Like you were saying before the show that your mom wh- where was your mom from and your dad?
0: My mother grew up in Charlestown maybe uh, for the first 10 years or so of her life. There was 10 kids and they lived in the uh, the projects in Charlestown so this would have been I mean she like I told you she remembered. She remembered her dad going to World War II. Mm. So this is uh early 40s and then i think they lived in brighton for a while and then settled in newton um my father was grew up on mission hill
1: oh wow yeah
0: no kidding yeah when it was when it was all irish wow yes he he was born in 1926 his parents came from ireland
1: no kidding yeah wow you said your dad... Your dad didn't really listen to, like...
0: It's all Irish folk music. Oh, yeah.
1: He yeah. listened to the, yeah, traditional. Yeah, what was <laughs> yeah, yeah. And your mom listened to, like, Dean Martin, and she was into... She'd always have,
0: like, the Motown channel on in the car, like, when we'd go places. But, yeah, she had, like, Dean Martin records, Frank Sinatra, Nat King Cole. Um, But that's about it. Like, nobody was into... Nobody was like really, really into music in the house.
1: Did it inspire you at that time or where did your inspiration come from?
0: Uh, just hearing it on the radio when I was a kid. Like hearing, because hearing, it wasn't even MTV yet. Like we didn't have cable. So uh, like hearing songs on the radio. I remember the first song that I heard that I loved was Blondie, The Tide Is High. I think it came out in 1980. So I was six. But then I remember I had a little radio where I'd hear the the, the top 40 on Sundays, and I'd hear Duran Duran. I love Duran Duran. Yeah. Brian Adams, Michael Jackson, all the anything that was popular at the time. But then a couple of years later, maybe like 83 or 84, we got cable, we got MTV, <laughs> and 83 was a huge year in metal, because that was the year like Motley Crue put out Shout at the Devil. Quiet Riot put out Metal Health, uh, Def Leppard put out Pyromania, and these videos were on nonstop rotation. And I was just like, "What the fuck he is was this?" Going out of your yeah, of yeah. I lo- I don't know what it was. Like I just loved that stuff. But to but to see Def Leppard, you had to sit through all. You know, I had to watch Tears for Fears and Michael Jackson. So I love all eighties, yeah. mute like Toto. I love all that stuff. We talked about the, uh-huh. yeah. I Like all the all the '80s pop stuff, I love it. Hell yeah! And I think that's why, no matter what kind of music I'm playing, I still it, the songs have to have big hooks and have to be catchy, yeah. you know. And that comes from like hearing the '80s pop music, you know. It's gotta have you gotta have hooks. You gotta have something in the song that just grabs people and makes them want to become invested in it. Mm,
1: yeah. Dude, you, you are certainly invested in music. You have like a deep wealth of knowledge. <laughs> I always life.
0: said, like, I, I, I say to my wife, I'm like, I wish I it was like as good as like math as I could remember <laughs> stuff about music. The other thing that I'm like, like, obsessed with horror movies and uh, <laughs> professional boxing. Oh, like really? Like, crazy. Yeah. I, I, like, stupid. Things that nobody needs to know that i know
1: that's funny i don't know if we tackled that the last time you were on here we touched on it but i have
0: like a like like my father was like really into boxing and like anything that i mean into, <laughs> i become obsessed with it and i want to go back and like learn the whole history mm, so yeah. it's like you know
1: do you have a favorite era of boxing
0: uh, i mean yeah i mean i'd probably a few I mean, I mean, it's a lot of great era. I mean, the, the, the ninth like f- when they talk about the golden era, it's funny because for heavyweights, it's probably the nineteen mid nineteen sixties to late nineteen seventies, and that's when you have your mm. your Sonny e. Liston and Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier and George Foreman yeah. and, and the, the, like Ken Norton. Yeah, uh, and they would all these guys would fight each other. and That was like if you could be a top dog in that era you could be a great in any era there were like tremendous fighters in that era that never even that never won a title Mm. you know Um, like like a Jerry Quarry or Ron Lyle or something like that but for like the if for other weight classes I mean my favorite would probably be again like the 40s like Sugar Ray Robinson Mm. and Jake LaMotta and Henry Armstrong and Willie Pep and Sandy Sadler, and that's like the Joe Lewis. Like, that's like, you know, um, he was, of course, a heavyweight champion, but like, that, yeah. that was like probably the best era where, like, you, like you, d- you didn't get to the top unless you were like awesome yeah. or you were controlled by the mob. That's another interesting part of it. Yeah, huge, yeah. hugely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the Mob Ties to Boxing uh, is fucking wild. There's some crazy stories about that.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. We just watched, uh, my kids, my oldest son was watching, uh, wanted to watch like all the De Niro movies and we watched Raging Bull. Yeah. And, like, that's a true story. Like yeah. Jake, Jake LaMotta was Oh, like, that's
1: such a sad
0: story. He was like Italian fighter from, I think he's from, yeah, from the Bronx. That's what they call him, the Bronx Bull. Yeah. And he would not, allow uh, uh Frankie Carbo who controlled boxing especially at Madison Square Garden at the time he would he would he would he would not sign an agreement Frankie Carbo to fight for Frankie Carbo so Frankie Carbo fucking gutsy froze <laughs> him out like he wouldn't yeah. like Jake LaMotta was like the best middleweight for years and he could not he couldn't get a title fight until he agreed to throw a fight for Frankie Carbo yeah. which he did and he got his title shot and he won his title but uh, yeah that's not and then he had to testify in Congress that he did that so it's not just rumor like it actually happened yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah, that's a wild story
0: yeah and like the you know even like the Sonny Liston story is fascinating too because he was managed by the mob there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff you know with you know uh, like those that second Ali fight is definitely Yeah. not That is just absolutely not on the level, and the first one is very questionable to me as well.
1: Sure. Yeah. The the Ali victories.
0: Yeah, like, if you ever see, Sonny Liston was the most perfect fighter ever. Like, he had the brutal, fast, long, hard jab that would just fuck somebody up. Mm. Like, most guys are using a jab to set up their power punch. Like, he would fuck you up with a jab. Yeah. And he just would look like the most perfect heavyweight fighter of all time and when he got in the ring in that first fight with Ali, it looked like he never had a pair of boxing gloves on. To me, it's like, what the fuck happened? Now it's like, was it fixed? Because he was he he was never popular. Like he he became champion. He destroyed Floyd Patterson and then destroyed him in a rematch, and that's how he won. Which was no joke. Yeah, that's when he, that's how he won the title. But everybody knew he was a mob fighter, and he was never he was never charismatic. He was never popular. He, he like so people weren't into him. So he's, a you know, sadly, he's a product. He has to sell tickets and people aren't into him. So, you know, there's some people that think he was, uh, he took the dive in the first fight and the and the mob bet against him, you know, that his managers bet against him that he would lose. But that, fight's, that fight has more questions than the second one. Um, because at some point, Sonny Liston's corner man put, a liniment on his gloves that burned Muhammad Ali's eyes and Ali almost quit he in went back to the corner and like told his trainer Angelo Dundee like cut my gloves off I'm done I can't see and Dundee like rinsed out his eyes and pushed him back out there so it's like if the fight was fixed why would they why would they try to injure Ali like but maybe Liston's team didn't know it was fixed I don't know Yeah, I've heard that. But the second one definitely is not on the level. Yeah. I've always, you know, so I kind of go back and forth like that first fight. Is it fixed or was Sonny Liston just so goddamn good that he got lazy and he found himself in the ring one night and just said, what the fuck? Like, I'm not prepared. Fuck this. Because he quit on the stool. He just sat down and he was like, yeah, my shoulder's fucked up. Can't go on. It's like you just wonder. Was he just like... Is he just had enough?
1: There's some like famous photos of that, right? Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, and the second, the second fight was the one, um, the second fight's the one that's really fucked up because Ali had like become, uh, like he was still, uh, Cassius, Cassius Clay, Clay in the first uh, fight. And, and I think it was the night of the f- victory in the first fight, he announced his conversion Damn. to the nation of Islam. And that fight, that rematch was supposed to be at the Boston Garden. And Boston wanted nothing to do with it. Like, the the Nation of Islam showed up at Sonny Liston's training camp. And, like, the, everybody, like, the Boston police, they were all afraid there was going to be violence and trouble. They're like, you're not having that fucking fight here.
1: Dude, especially around that time. So, yeah, Dude, you're talking... Was- <laughs> yes, you're talking... Uh, race wars on you, race wars. Yeah, <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, you're talking, like... Think this is 63, yeah, yeah. So, okay. like, every you, you <laughs> name, like, you know, you've got MLK, uh, yeah. JFK, um, Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, like, people get you know, um, that fight went to Lewiston, Maine, and uh, really, yeah, they had it in Lewiston, Maine, and Sonny Liston went down from a punch that didn't look that hard
1: yeah, don't they call it like a phantom punch It's called it a phantom punch, yeah. but again,
0: pull it up on YouTube and watch it slowly, and his neck kind of snaps violently, so I don't know what to believe on that stuff it's interesting, yeah, that is interesting but he was definitely a mob fighter, he yeah, was controlled by the mob, they owned his contract um so but I mean like all that you know Joe Lewis Jack Dempsey, Ray Robinson, I love all that stuff, yeah. yeah. Marciano yeah he was awesome awesome
1: the thing about him like who was who was his main competitors like who else was big names at his time that's the isn't that the thing about
0: that's the criticism of him yeah. that's is that people will say like well he didn't fight anybody sure. you know he fought old men it's like you can't the fighter can only fight who's around right you right. know yeah I mean yeah. he fought
1: what year is was his involvement
0: I want to say mid 50s because after Ali won the title, I believe in 63, and I want to say after Marciano retired, that's when Floyd Patterson won it, lost it to Ingemar Johansson, then Floyd Patterson Mm. won it again. So I want to say late, very late, mid 50s to late 50s. I mean, so he had, I mean, he...
1: What a fucking run. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: mean, he's got some names on his record. Like, to me, as a Charles, Rocky beat as a Charles twice, and I think as a Charles, is like the single most underrated fighter ever. Really? But Rocky fought him. Like, he was the greatest, he's the greatest light heavyweight ever. Yeah. And he never got a shot at the light heavyweight title. No shit. Um, And he moved up... And he won the heavyweight championship. And by the time he fought Rocky, he was not, like, he, he was past his prime. He was still the heavyweight champion, yeah. but he wasn't—he wasn't the greatest fighter in the world anymore. But he's still the fucking heavyweight champion of the world, right? So people will be like, "Oh yeah, Rocky fought old men." It's like, well, oh boy, yeah. But they weren't like fucking yeah, forty-nine of them. They didn't just fucking all. roll out of the nursing home, dude. <laughs> this is like, as a Charles, like top five fighter of all time <laughs> you know Jersey Joe Walcott another great fighter um, so and uh, Archie Moore yeah yeah there's three of the three of the greatest fighters of all time right there that he beat they just happened to be in the la- latter part of the career so of the his, their careers so people would want to not give rocky the credit for those wins but it's not fucking rocky's fault right right because you can only fight who's around of course you know?
1: yeah you know it's funny in every sport everybody wants to jump to who the goat is of that sport and i hate that argument because there's so many goats and different generations and then then yeah. you get into comparing different generations to other generations and you can't really do that it's all speculation at that point right like people say like the the famous you know comparison when i was growing up was Ali and Marciano. And what didn't they didn't they build didn't they uh make a like a simulated fight yeah, they did the, compi- two, the yeah. Brockton Blockbuster yeah. is that what they called that? Yeah,
0: Rocky had been retired and wore a hairpiece. Yeah. Filmed it. yeah. Yeah, and he yeah. won, didn't
1: he? He did. I, and I think
0: that was partially done because Ali had been stripped of his title it happened during <laughs> Yeah, He's, when he wouldn't when go he was to, exiled, yeah, yeah. this was kind of a way. And
1: for those who don't know, he got stripped of his title because he wouldn't fight for. Beijing he wouldn't. Vietnam. Yeah, he wouldn't.
0: He got draft He refused to be drafted.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was calling him a draft dodger and all that shit.
0: The Ken Burns, uh, Ken Burns, about a year ago, did a fantastic five part Ali um, really? documentary, and I thought, oh, did I, I
1: see what was that? What was that called? Do you remember? It might just
0: be Muhammad Ali. It's, it's, I don't.
1: It wasn't called like We Were Kings. That's what that. Like so
0: that. that's. That's when we were kings, and that's a documentary about the George Foreman and Ali fight. Oh, okay. And Zaire, and that's absolutely tremendous. I just watched that. That was a cool documentary. I just watched that with my kids a couple of weeks ago. And you can't even appreciate, like, people thought George Foreman was going to murder him. (laughs) He almost did. (laughs) Like, people thought he was going to get hurt. George Foreman was a fucking animal. Like, George Foreman was fucking up his sparring partners and Ali was yeah. getting his ass kicked. Yeah. By his his sparring partners were, were like Larry Holmes and Tim Witherspoon. He was
1: Wait a minute. In that he was sparring yeah, with Larry yeah, Holmes. Yeah, Larry Holmes was there like
0: so I mean these guys were were working Ali over and he, and like yeah. people were like Foreman's going to fucking kill this guy. Yeah. Like you can I don't even know if you can't
1: rumble in the jungle, right? Yeah, you
0: can't even. Uh, I don't think you can put it in perspective because, <laughs> like, unless you were there or you really, really dive into it, because what you know of Ali now is like, you know, it's you can't think of him as not one of, one of, if not the like, greatest yeah. of all time. Yeah. But at that time, they just thought he was a guy who should not be fighting George Foreman, and he was getting fucked up.
1: Uh, and then he did the rope-a-dope. <laughs>
0: so I mean, Ali had two losses on his record to Joe Frazier and Ken yeah, Norton. Yeah. And George Foreman had de- fucking destroyed both of those guys. Yeah. Like destroyed. They weren't even competitive. And it's like you're <laughs> telling me like these guys beat Ali and George Foreman knocked them both out fast. That's wild. Like Ali's gonna get hurt. Yeah. 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 So that's a, that's a fascinating fight and everything around it. God, he was such it. a
1: fucking athlete, man.
0: Yeah, he's amazing.
1: I I, like around here, I I know more people than not, you know, want to say Marciano over Ali because it's a local thing. And and Marciano, I mean, you can't, he was undefeated 49 and oh, I mean, what the fuck. But I mean, everything I've ever seen of Ali, man, that guy, like, uh, he would have scored more points for sure.
0: There's a period in Ali's career, that first title reign, where it's like 63 to 67, where I think he's unbeatable. Yeah, but he just has the perfect combination of speed and power, mm. and be, the ability to control the fight. It's the Ali that his
1: footwork was yes, like, bar none. Yeah,
0: so it's the Ali that comes back after uh, he's been exiled. That chip
1: on his shoulder, fucking.
0: And he's he- he's older and he's heavier and he doesn't move the same way. And mm. that's the Ali that's made for the more memorable fights. Mm. But that's. Like, if he was ever going to be invincible, if he was ever going to be like vulnerable to, like, say, a Marciano, it would have been in that part of his career. Sure. Where he, because he, yeah, he knocked George Foreman out. He took a beating in the process. Like, he pissed oh. blood for days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, like, he pissed I don't, blood. I didn't know that. Yeah. He pissed blood for days. So, like, he, those, those the fights, kidney shots, you know, and that, <laughs> the thriller in Manila, Rumble in the Jungle, these like yeah. fights, you know, that he won that, Enhanced his legacy and his glory. Like they, he wasn't. He wasn't uh unhittable at that point.
1: He would. He would. Oh, he got hit. Yeah, he got fucking yeah. decked. I mean, you'd that take, was that is take sad. Yeah, what he ended up, you know, yeah. just so sad.
0: That's the thing, though. People don't realize sometime about him. Like he's it's easy to look at him. We talked. you talked about how, how pretty he was and, and the you yeah. know the way he would talk and rhyme and this thing. Yeah, he he's was tough, so quick and witty tough, and smart. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Like if a guy beat him, he's like I give me get a rematch. Yeah. Like like you know, mm. Joe Frazier beats me, I wanna fight him again. Mm. And then after that I wanna fight him again. Ken Norton beats me, I wanna fight him two more times. Like like if anybody beat him, he, he went back at him. He was a total dog. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, he, he cannot be understated. But or it's but those even.
0: fights that made him really, really famous are what made him uh, you know, in rough shape. Yeah. Yeah. Watch Should we him. start this over and just talk music? No,
1: not at all, <laughs> man. I'm I'm into it. <laughs> it's so great. yeah, that's those that
0: these are my
1: you know Well I was gonna say when we were talking about like comparing goats now like
2: There's one a boxer of the, in our logo too.
1: Yeah, there is, yeah. Nowadays, people always compare LeBron James to Michael Jordan, and so tough. It's tough. I mean, I, I could I could make. Hey, and we're back for all of you. For all of you who don't know, we just ran out of space on our hard drive. I believe Alex and I were just talking about Tom Brady and the Patriots and the different generations, and how it affects. You know, the current teams. Well, you were saying, Alex, you were saying that Tom Brady has played in a league that.
0: You can't touch the quarterback. Right. And there's guys that came from eras before where you could destroy the quarterback. Yeah. And there would be no flag. So, I mean, you have to take that into consideration. I love Tom Brady. Yeah. But it's just the reality. Same. Yeah. There's there's no, you know, you could leave a guy motionless on the. on the ground and they <laughs> cart him off and put him back in the game. And 10 minutes later, you know, so I mean, yeah, I've always taken the offensive, uh, <laughs> statistics with a grain of salt.
1: Well, that's why I was saying earlier. You can't compare different generations because it's a different game, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I th- I've even like,
1: like, can you really compare Joe Montana to John Brady? They played in two uh, different I mean, generations. You yeah. Beca-
0: for that reason. Yeah. 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 Um, like when we were talking baseball earlier i mean you know pedro <laughs> there's guys some of the players that are considered like the greatest baseball players of all time like never even had to go up against like an african-american athlete yeah you know yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah like a Mickey it, Mantle is, or a is, fucking it, well even
0: prior to that babe like, a, Ruth. like a babe Ruth. yeah i mean yeah. you know is it a stretch to suggest that had like African American players been in baseball in like the 1920s, that maybe they would have been good. Sure, because I think the track record is that like they probably they've been pretty good it. at everything yeah, they they've done. So, it. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I'm <laughs> trying to you know take away anybody else's accomplishments, but you know, yeah,
1: it's so, hard to compare different generations. Yeah,
0: it's it is. it's fine. It's fun to talk about. It. It's just when people get insane about that shit.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: you know? yeah. <laughs> lose their fucking mind over
1: dude on facebook i see people losing their minds over who's better between michael jordan and lebron james it's it's they're two different generations like defense was way different when michael jordan was playing i had
0: i keep facebook for the band and
1: yeah you should to
0: keep in touch with like old army friends and i don't really talk to them ever it's You know, it's occasion, you know, but it's, it's just, it's just, I like to know that they're there if I ever want to reach out. Yeah. Um, other than that, it's like a fucking cesspool.
1: Oh, it's all a cesspool. You know. Twitter's a cesspool. Fucking, all of it's a cesspool. The story
0: that I was reading about today, this douchebag journalist who wasn't even, I don't even think it was a music critter, like trashed, uh, music critic trashed, uh, Meg White.
1: Really? Did you read that? No. No. Yeah. Wow. From the, he
0: said, he said Meg White from the, um. White Stripes is like an awful drummer. Oh, I've and seen like, people say that. And everybody for a long came time. out like Jack White and yeah. Questlove. All these people like, came out of the woodwork, like
1: defending her.
0: Yeah, like, this is why people like
1: because it's art. People don't understand that. I'll yeah, keep it's going, awful. I don't no, it's, you it's like you
0: said. exact it's just awful. Like it's why she's not in music anymore. Sure. Like some people can't take the criticism and they just. It hurts them. It hurts them really bad. And she's, she's like out of music, you know?
1: Yeah, that sucks. It does suck. I have heard her catch a lot of shit for her, like, drumming, but it's like, what it, it, technical drumming, it doesn't have to be technical if it's good. So, not all technical drumming is good. A lot of it's just fucking pretentious, artsy bullshit. Like, I love Tool, okay? Like, I love the drummer from Tool. Amazing drummer. Fucking brilliant. But that dude could fart on a fucking snare drum and their fans would be like, That was amazing. That was an amazing offbeat. He did that at the right at the wrong time, but it sounded right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean?
0: I was thinking about the white stripes uh, today after I Dude their music's read that article. good. So like they're only, original. There's only, there's only two people in that band. Yes. There's nothing to hide behind. Right. Like right. if you don't pull your weight, it doesn't work. There's right. nothing to hide behind.
1: Dude, they were selling out fucking arenas when they were doing that. I thing.
0: loved those albums when they when I first heard them. I did too. I love those. I think there's absolutely fantastic stuff on there.
1: Dude, they they wrote music that no one had wrote. Like they sounded original. And
0: it's just her drumming fits what they were doing. Absolutely, and that should be good enough for for people. I had a guy come up at. Uh, show we did at pins um i guess the last one we were i don't know if you played on it the uh Christmas one i don't the remember. toy drive yeah yeah we, yeah, yeah, we had, yeah yeah that was yeah. a great show that was a fun
1: time so yeah, yeah that was a did, that was yeah. a good
0: turnout and it was a good show a guy came up to me afterwards and he he like gave me like a backhanded compliment like that <laughs> it wasn't a real bass player what he's like he's like He's like, hey, you guys sound great. And he shook my hand. I was like, thanks. He's like, are you really a guitar player? I'm like, no, I'm a bass player. He's like, sound, <laughs> he's like sound like you're a guitar player playing the bass and there's something missing from the band. And I was like, hey, man, what? thanks. I was like, thanks for coming, dude. <laughs> I was like, thanks. I was like, thank, like you, bought, you paid your way in here. Like, thank you. Yeah. Like, come again. Sure. But that, that kind of comment when, I was, when I was younger might have like really fucked with me
1: like sure. what, like because i don't
0: give a shit that's fucking with me now but it's like i don't fucking care like you paid to get in you paid to see me sure i don't you know i'm i hope you liked it i hope you come back <laughs> i hope you had a good time but like what that would have that would have like messed with me like when i was in my early 20s if somebody like just because like you know i mean you are like everything about about you is your your music <laughs> yeah and somebody comes up and like,
1: yeah, you all but identify with it. And so in some yeah, cases, like you identify. With yeah. It. You feel
0: like, you feel like you're a musician and everything else in life is just other shit that's going on around <laughs> yeah, you. when You're yeah. not playing music. Yeah. And then somebody comes up and like, tells you like, you're not good at the one thing that you love more than anything. And you're like, fuck. No. But, but that like at my age now, I was like, yeah, whatever, man. Like, thanks. Like, you want to buy a shirt? Like, I don't like, I don't like cool. Like, you know i don't even know if he meant to come off the way he did <laughs> but he was like yeah are you really a guitar player i was like no i am
1: I could see why he bass. would ask you if you're a guitar player but only because you play a lot of leads on your bass but that is what a, you are a rhythm bass player you hold down the rhythm
0: yeah i get it i mean i don't play like cliff williams from acdc who no I, I love but <laughs> i grew up watching getty lee and yeah, Billy Sheehan and yes. geezer Butler and yes, John Entwistle. I was just gonna say Giza. So Baller. I mean, yes. yeah, I, you know,
1: no, but you you hold down the I do what I do, and you 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 do leads on your bass. And that's the lo- most
0: important thing. But
1: you are the rhythm, and it is important because you and Pat, as the rhythm section, hold it the fuck down, and then you're doing these leads on your bass. Yeah. All my favorite bass players play lead like, in the rhythm section, and it works. It's fucking awesome. You just named all, like, my favorite bass players. Yeah. Other than Matt Freeman from Rancid. Oh, he not he's one of my favorites. Dude, Matt Freeman is him. brilliant.
0: I think he's, like...
1: But I bet that same dude would hear Matt Freeman and be like, oh, did you play guitar before? God, he's, like, so critical.
0: <laughs> his name isn't mentioned, like... Oh, in criminally underrated, and It man. should be with those guys.
1: No, yeah, and it should be. He's a brilliant bass player.
0: Yeah, he's amazing, absolutely amazing. And
1: I hope I'm coming across the way I mean to come across. No, you it's, are. Dude, you're a wonderful bass player. <laughs> yeah, I'm,
0: and I'm not, like, I'm kind of at the point in my life where it's like, I don't, like, I'm just happy, Yeah, you know? So yeah. it's like, if you, if I, I want you, I want everybody to love it, but I have to love it first. Sure, you know, because if I don't love what I'm doing, you won't love what I'm doing. So I just, I'm just me. I play. I, I can't believe the that
1: way. dude said you took a, like, you were missing something. He, d- he just said ridiculous. the band is missing something because no, I, he's missing something. But it was like, whatever, man. Like, <laughs> that cool. dude missed something. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can't, you know.
1: Dude, Geezer Butler, uh, Matt Freeman, and um, Getty Lee are three bass players that come to mind when I watch you play bass. And thank you. I, yeah, I'm, sincerely. am One of the guys, <laughs> so
0: one of the guys, um, another bass player from another band. He was, we were talking about it after a show. He's like, you, you you do all these things and that. And I was like, dude, you're on stage. Like I just watched you on stage and you locked in with the drummer and laid down the bass and your band sounded fucking awesome for that half hour. You were the fucking greatest bass player in the world because that's what the job is yeah like you just locked in and laid it down and that's all that matters yeah you know because if all the shit i do if i didn't lock in with pat if the band you know
1: it wouldn't work
0: yeah yeah
1: you guys are totally locked in the rocket he's fucking fucking it's so
0: funny he like he um i watch like ronnie uh hard hitter yeah. very uh physical yeah it's like throwing throwing his body oh yeah into the into the kit like he's <laughs> yeah. he's putting everything yes. he's putting every there's like a visual thing going on he's hitting hard yeah. it, it, Pat is like there's a big drum sound and you look over and' he's, he's barely moving yeah like yeah. and he's f- figured out the uh mechanics yeah the, like the economy of movement movement like he's how slink. to how to not use a lot of energy and like his power comes from the like that snap at the last second that's a beautiful thing it is and there's no right or wrong way you know because but but uh yeah i mean some guys hit hard and they they hit hard cuz they put everything they have into it other guys have just figured out uh you know text you had somebody on here recently who was talking about how uh, like bottom wasn't a uh, super hard hitter. It was like all in his wrist. Yeah. And snap.
1: Oh, that might've been Ronnie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he loves Bonham.
0: Yeah, he's a great drummer. I love watching him. It's funny though. They're the
1: opposite. <laughs> bon- Bonham was a uh, very slick, sly, and he had the snap of the wrist. And yeah. Yeah, Ronnie fucking pounds on him. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It must take a lot out of him.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It
0: must be like a physical drain. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do that. I wake up sore just from moving the amps.
1: Well, dude, even it, it, dude, even watching Pat play, like he'll fucking play in his underwear because he's sweating bullets. But he's playing with such tight precision, and I, I feel like between his mental and his physical, it's making him sweat bullets. Yeah. <laughs> he puts his all into it.
0: I always feel bad for the drone because, like, I can if I lose my place, I can fake it fucking drummer like everybody's looking at the drummer yeah you hit the you go to the wrong (laughs) place in the song it just falls apart true yeah
1: yeah, that's true (laughs) no way to hide when you're a drummer yeah there's no
0: like we we do a lot of songs in drop d i'm like if i get lost i could just hit a fucking d like
1: (laughs) dude you guys put out a lot of sound man for like a three-piece with the vocalist, you're a four-piece you know rob's the fourth piece and but as just three instruments, you guys put out a lot of sound, and I love it. I love that.
0: I want to get Keith to bring a stack, but he'll he not never, He'll never bring like a full stack to a show. Yeah. Mm. Have you ever seen how many amps he has? Yes. Dude.
1: Not in person, but yeah. His
0: basement looks like Guitar Center. <laughs> I'm like, dude, full stacks, full <laughs> stacks. They just look cooler. Even if we don't have them on, they just look cooler. A
1: full stack would be cool. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. He always gets really good sound, too. You know know what? Actually, all you guys do. You get the best sound you can get out of your instrument with the amp you're using. Pat is great at tuning his drums. He gets the best (laughs) fucking sounds out of his drums. I was
0: listening to him and uh, Keith talk about tuning drums the other day, and it's like way more Mm. going on than I... Mm. You know, Pat's like, oh, you know, if, if the drum's made out of this kind of wood, you got to do this. And oh, yeah. And I'm like, I, I didn't even know. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know that it had anything to do with anything.
1: Yes. Yeah, he's a scientist when it comes to that shit. He knows what's going on with each wood.
0: I always, I say he's like, the, he's like the John Wick of drumming. He just like, because <laughs> he doesn't stay, he, he'll, he'll come in and do his part, like our show, and he generally doesn't hang around late. Because he's got little kids. Yeah, he comes in and so he like shit he, up. He does. It's he's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. He's the John Wick of Trump. Yeah. That's awesome. It's like, where'd he go? He's gone.
1: <laughs> he's a fucking yeah. ninja. Yeah, He comes in and he breaks necks and fucking kicks spleens and then he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> That's a riot. Nobody like you and Keith too, man. Like you guys know your instruments, you know your amps, you know the sounds you want, and you get it. Like you, you very full, very full sound.
0: Yeah, I have. I mean, it, I've been using pretty much the same sound forever. What and is what does that entail? Uh, jazz Fender jazz bass and uh, Sansamp direct box. Fuck the, yeah, uh, that's where I get most of my sound from. Hell Everything yeah. else, like the the speakers in the head are just to push the sound, but that uh Sure. That sans amp is the trick. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: What speaker are you using? Like what head are you using?
0: I have uh Trace Elliott's. Nice. That were made I think in the mid nineties. They don't make them anymore. They nice. uh I used I have two four ten cabs. We generally only bring one to the show.
1: Trace Elliott's, eh?
0: Yeah, they were British kind of boutique. uh,
1: I don't ever, I, dude, those amps were the shit back in the day.
0: Yeah. And so by, I don't know, by the 2000s, mid-2000s, I think they sold the company to Gibson. Now PV owns it. I mean, I understand they make, they still make a good product, but the stuff that I have was the hand-built stuff from the small shop. Sure, In England, um the cabs get beat up from gigs and traveling yeah so you know i'm constantly uh super gluing uh the tolex back in place uh, yeah. you know things <laughs> like that i can't i can't see spending a ton of money on really really nice cabs cuz they're going to get beat up from the road sure. from gigging yeah.
1: and you're pushing that with a sans amp
0: uh well so i run the sans amp through a uh, Harky head nice um which bare very bare bones head sure um
1: you don't yeah but you get the (laughs) sansamp the sound comes from the sansamp yeah the
0: heart key is pushing the the, it's a 500 watt head and it's pushing that's (sighs) where the power is coming wow but but the sound is is from my hands and the sansamp yeah Yeah.
1: and you're coming out through the 410s
0: yeah yeah that's i like two four ten setup that's my favorite Mm. um it's funny with keith's rig it sounds so great it's so basic like because i think so many people don't really understand how and you use use a marshall tube right yeah Yeah. i mean it's let the tube do the work man absolutely like so many guys don't get that yeah you know yeah it's just there's a reason it's like the most popular amp ever
1: Dude, yeah, you know? I, I love I use a JCM 900 SLX. Yeah. I fucking love yeah. that
0: amp. Yeah. So do you use any overdrive pedal or anything, or you just use? No, it I don't use it?
1: overdrive. Yeah. Um Sometimes I use a uh, chorus
0: pedal. Yeah.
1: I, once in a while. Yeah, but no, no, I just use a uh, yeah. Yeah, that's I awesome. Use, I use the head just like yeah, Keith does,
0: that's yeah. and that's you know you got guys coming in with big giant pedal boards and racks and this and that and this other it's like yeah that's cool and all but i I mean i just like the sound of the the head
1: yeah i mean it all depends on what
0: you're doing i i we're in a
1: we're a trio we're a three-piece um we make a lot of sound as a three-piece and we use what we have um not you know I, i i'd like to like experience with I experiment with different things, like uh, uh, different effects pedals and stuff, which I, I have and we're kind of fucking around with now, but I don't want to go overboard. I, I, I like our sound. We have a very driven, it's just a very driven sound. Like that, yeah.
0: Have you had your bass player on here yet?
1: Danny? Yeah. No, not not by himself. We have had him on here, and uh, yeah. That's um, cool. Yeah, Danny's awesome, man. He he'll be on here. Uh, I was just talking to him the other day because he came on to sit in on a couple of episodes with a guest. So he is on here, um, talking to different guests for like a couple episodes. But I want to do an episode just with him.
0: He's a good bass player.
1: Yeah, he's a great bass player for sure. Yeah, very talented guy. <laughs> he can sing too. We've been we've been working on different. Yeah, properties.
0: I've noticed. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's he's very talented and um good guitar player too. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: I play a lot of guitar. I play yeah. a ton
1: of guitar. Right on. Yeah. So, I dude, I think it translates.
0: I write everything on guitar. It's just easier, like it's more melodic instrument. It gives me more options when I'm writing. Sure. Cuz it's I don't I can't write a song around a bass riff. I generally have a whole song idea like chord I just hear it in my head. Yeah, you
1: hear it more.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I get that. So I get that. You know, and I can always go back and tailor a bass line to something, but if I write it on guitar, I generally... I present... It's funny. I I will go home and uh, work my riffs out and then present them to the band either live in the studio um, or I'll record it on my phone and send it to them like what do you guys think of this like yeah. i've kind of got it all worked out like i've got this riff and then i've got this riff and this and that you know yeah So like i i'm like putting everything together and then i present it to them keith is like just tuning up and he starts doing some riff and i'm like what, like wait 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 i'm like what is that what is that like keep doing that like he just like fucking shits out riffs like yeah. he's like what do you mean i'm like dude what you do? like there's there was one time he was i walked in the room i him and pat were in there jamming he was they were warming up and he was doing this riff and i was like keep doing that keep doing that and like and I you had
1: something for it i
0: plug in i plug in and let my let my amp warm up and then i jump in and i'm like we gotta we gotta use that yeah so i went home and worked out Another riff to go with it. Oh, nice. And I came back and I was like, Do you remember that thing? And he's like, No. And I'm like, Well, I do. Like, yeah. I, I remember it. And so it's, it's like, Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's cool. You gotta, like, I love spontaneity, you but fuck yeah. Also, if you
1: can, but if you can capture spontaneity, yeah. like, holy shit. Yeah, got, that's
0: the worst when you have something and you don't remember it.
1: That's great, man. But, uh, oh, that's like that. That's like the lightning in a bottle right there. Like if you can, if you, if you have a great like freestyle jam going on and you just feel it and you can capture that somehow, record it, whatever. Yeah. He's
0: one of these guys that when he's just fucking off, like
1: he just whips shit out.
0: And I don't think he realizes it sometimes. Mm. Like that's like that. That's really good. Like keep doing that, you know, and then we can build something around that. It's magic. Whereas I come in with like you know, hey guys, I wrote this whole fucking song. Like, what do you think, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: So, like, when you do that, do you come in with a guitar and show them what you wrote on guitar?
0: Sometimes. Mm. If it's, if it's, because sometimes the bass and the guitar won't be the same, and I want more emphasis. Sure. Like, I find that, like, the 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 guitar is always going to stand out more than the bass, so, the, like, like I'm, I'm more specific to...
1: For the melody, yeah. 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 Yeah,
0: like, I want to hit, I want you to hit a chord a certain way this and that and the other but i for the most part that doesn't happen Mm. i kind of just show keith like i'll show it to him like what i'm doing and you take it yeah do what you want i always have like it's funny we were playing one of the songs the last week and uh he started doing some like double stops like stuff on the on with the guitar and i was like fucking love that you do that because that's exactly what i would do that's exactly what I would do right there for that yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah. I love those double stops and stuff but uh
1: that's beautiful
0: yeah the songs come together faster than we can come up with lyrics for
1: sometimes I like to write I like to use different instruments to write a certain song like I'll <laughs> write I will write a song on drums because there's just these certain beats like you can lay down a certain beat that sticks out And I can put the right guitar to it, or the right bass line, like, or, like, Danny will know what bass line to put to the beat, you know? Um, Some songs just write themselves, it doesn't matter what instrument you do it on. I think, like, a good example, if, like, do you know the song Love Buzz by Nirvana? No. I wasn't there when they wrote it, but the bass line is the main thing in that song, and I... I could almost guarantee I could be what album is that on? Bleach, yeah, Bleach. Probably have that album. It's like It's such like a it's it's just like the main part of the song, and I'd be willing to bet that that who you know I'd be willing to bet that Chris Novoselic like wrote that or whoever wrote that bass line. They built the whole song around that bass line, and it's fucking awesome. And you like when I first heard it, cause it starts out <laughs> with that bass line, in my head, mm. I was thinking like where it was going to go. And it went there when I first heard it, you know what I mean? It's just like certain things that you write just with whatever instrument, like that instrument writes the song we have. If that makes any sense. I don't no, know.
0: Definitely. We have, we have some riffs that have been kicking around forever. Um, and it's like, this riff is so good and I don't know where to put it. Like, I don't want to just throw it in. Yeah. Anywhere. There's it's that like, too. It's like, well, oh, I'm sorry. And you've got to wait for your, uh, Jesus fuck. Wait, wait for the, uh, wait for the like perfect place to put it. Cause yeah, you don't want it to yeah. be like a throwaway riff. Like a song has to revolve around. This. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have a couple of those. We kind of have like, yeah, we have a bag of riffs. We jam for a while and we just, when we need a riff, we're like, what about that one?
1: Yeah, just pull it out of the bag. One
0: of the new songs, yeah, one of the new songs has a riff that uh, Keith and I jammed with uh, a friend of ours that passed away a few years ago, and it was like a really cool riff. And I was like, I want to put this somewhere, but I I haven't heard like the right place to put it yet. Sure. And one of the newer songs, it was like that riff would fit in there. Awesome. Beautiful. But yeah, we have more. When the last show we did, last show we did at the District we did 12 originals and we have more that need lyrics and you know sometimes um, I will help with the lyric. I'll write lyrics and give them to Rob and be like change whatever you want yeah you know yeah yeah
1: yeah um, he's a fucking witty lyricist man he's funny because I
0: wrote <laughs> I wrote we, we were at I was uh on vacation in Cape Cod and I was fishing we're out I was out on like the jetty fishing with my kids. We had just watched I don't know if we just watched the night before or if we watched it that night. We were watching the The Born Identity. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. Where they find him floating in the harbor. At yeah. The beginning. Yeah. So <laughs> that was in my mind. And then we were we were fishing out on the rocks and it's like so peaceful and quiet. I was just watching the ocean and I was like, It's so peaceful, but it could like fucking kill you. It's like it awesome. could drag you out and pull you down.
2: Where at yeah. the plant? At Where
0: The canal? You, uh, no, we, uh, the at Pocahacet, uh, oh no, we're we're Pocahasset, Pocahasset, okay. right outside of the uh, canal. Nice. But, uh, so it's like it's beautiful, but it could like just it could suck you down and kill you. And yeah, I, so I went. We had this new song, um, and I wrote lyrics based on like, <coughs> uh, like kind of floating in the water. I I, I wrote i have them on my phone somewhere but I, I wrote lyrics like you know feel my body sinking feel my soul starting to sleep and i gave them to him and he turned it into this song about being angry at somebody i was like what did you do to my lyrics
1: <laughs> that's awesome yeah, it's awesome, man. It's great to be able to... Like, I give them
0: to them, like, you do whatever you want with them. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's just... The, That's the, what you should do. Sometimes the most important thing is just having a vocal melody. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I'll, I'll give you what I have for a vocal melody and then you run with it, mm. you know? But mm. it's tough. Like, we crank out the songs faster than we have lyrics for sometimes.
1: Sure, but. sure. Yeah, it's funny, man. Riffs write feelings. And feelings write riffs. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, like, you know, we'll build a song based around just the lyrics, you know, and uh, it'll it'll write music.
0: We have a song now that we need words for that I wrote uh, 24 years ago.
1: Would you write it on?
0: I wrote it for uh, probably guitar. Yeah. Yeah, probably guitar. And I showed the riffs to my old band from... I'm 99 and they didn't dig it. And I showed it to different people and they didn't dig it. And I showed it to Pat and Keith and they heard it the way I heard it. Nice. And they loved it. And we have, it's going to be a new song. It just needs That's words. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: That is pretty cool. <laughs> Cause when I was,
0: when these guys asked me to jam, I was not listening to anything remotely heavy. I was like, I was like obsessed with the like early '70s Rolling Stones and Black Crows and uh, Blackberry. I loves the Black Crows. Blackberry Smoke. Yeah. Like I was really into like just that kind of like Americana, like you know, rock thing. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I don't know if I can play. I don't know if I can go back and play like heavier music you know rob kept talking about punk and i was like i'm not really a punk player i'm like i'll but let's plug in and see what happens i mean i like punk but it's not in my dna as a musician like that's not what naturally comes out of me that's not the first thing that's going to come out of me Mm. what's going to come out of me is like the geezer butler and the john entwistle and the jack bruce and the guys that, Mm. that i learned my trade from um so, I didn't contribute any riffs for a while. I just sat back and they already had a bunch of songs and I just learned them and did my thing. And then I was like, slowly started to, like, hey, here's a riff. What do you think of this? And I was like, you guys got to let me know. I'm like, if this is heavy, if it's too heavy, you got to tell me. Like, don't be afraid to tell me it's too heavy because I know this isn't a metal band, you know? But I don't think anything we do sounds metal. It's funny how it, like, just playing with guys that aren't. Uh, metal players, you know they're just I, dudes. And when I say metal, it's like Black Sabbath metal. It's not fucking shadows fall.
1: Yeah, blues
0: metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The farther it gets away from the farther music gets away from the blues, the like the, the less it doesn't like the less interest I have in it. You know, it's just for some reason, there's always got to be some sort of connection. Yeah, whether it's just the structure. It's the got song. a groove. Yeah, yeah. There's like a whole generation of metal that, like, I it's just not my jam. There's nothing wrong with it, you know. But sure,
2: not the biggest toxic narcotic fan. That's fine. <laughs>
0: I for me it was like '80s thrash metal and uh, heavy blues influence. Going back to. Seb, I'm always looking for something I missed. You know, so that's like, like I told you, I was like obsessed with Slade right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's a lot of blues in there. Yeah, and I go back and listen to those songs, it's like, this is so goddamn good, and it was right under my nose this whole time.
1: Yeah. yeah. That makes sense, man. Yeah. Even like, uh, you know, I don't know, when I go back to like, Pantera, like, they're a great uh, example of that. There's a lot of blues in Pantera. Fucking...
0: Yeah, I mean, the guitarist is... Dumbag Daryl. Totally a, to like, 70s, 70s guitar uh, Yeah. Freak, like, all those... You know, the other funny thing about them is, like, if you heard the brothers talk... They didn't just like metal. They loved like all yeah. – they loved Skinner and Foreigner and all that, like Stadium Rock sticks. Absolutely. You know, yeah. all that stuff. They were just music lovers. That's why I, I'm just a music fan. I love I love all eras and everything, but there's certain stuff, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, that's why I love talking to you about it, man. It, it's interesting to talk like just about even you growing up with the parents that you had – And then your exposure to, like, MTV and just, like, what really influenced you and what... Yeah, the visual thing. Yeah. I don't
0: know what it was. Like, those bands, I didn't want to be the guitar player. I think just those particular bands. I thought the bass players looked so goddamn cool. They were. And I wanted to, you know, (laughs) like, those guys look cool. Yeah. And uh, then I went through this thing where it was, like, I was obsessed with KISS and uh, all the L.A. metal. Like, I was really big on Motley Crue and everything coming out of LA. Yeah. And then I heard Iron Maiden and I was like, what is this? Yeah. And then I heard <coughs> whispers in the hallways in like sixth grade, people going, Have you heard of this band called Metallica? Metallica? <laughs> I'm like, no, never heard of them, you know? And then when I finally heard Master of Puppets, I was like, What the fuck is this? Yeah. I got to get another album. <laughs> Go get the next album. This is fucking amazing. Go get the next one. This is fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. For those first few albums. Yeah, yeah.
1: What What did you think when they came out with the Black album?
0: I, you know, I I think I didn't I didn't love it because it was different. But I
2: did when I was that age.
0: I so well, the way I looked at it now is like the way I think of the Black album is like I loved it. I liked it because I loved Metallica so much. Like they almost sure. could do no wrong. And then as time goes by, it's like, eh.
2: The God that Failed has a fucking dope song. I love, on. I mean,
0: I, I, I love wherever my I may roam. I think yeah, it's a fucking yeah. great, uh, a classic great song. But I, but I, but I, the way I look at the.
1: I can I see why there was a departure though. Like there with the fans, I could, I
0: could. See Their that. audience got bigger. It was just like the hardcore. Like they were kind of like an underground thing.
2: Well, yeah. oh, before it hit the radio, it had to get washed through all the money people. Yeah. It yeah. had To be like, all right, you it could have to- failed. I mean, you gotta do have this because some of your stuff sounds like garbage to some of them old people. So maybe you gotta sing more. The way I think yeah. of
0: the Black album now is like, if you imagine you dated this like hot girl, and she got a haircut you didn't like and you're just like whatever it's still it's,
1: you're still hot you're still hot and then and then a few
0: then 10 years go by and you're like you know that fucking haircut was really fucking stupid that's kind of how i feel with the black like when you don't have the same emotional connection to the girl anymore you're like that fucking haircut was awful
1: i think that's ironically perfect yeah that is so that's fun. a riot. People
2: are like shaving their heads in protest.
0: You know what's funny is like they have a whole half of their career that I've never heard a lot of the music they put out.
1: What like reload and
0: load I never heard I've never heard Saint anger. I've never heard load. <laughs> I've never heard reload I've never heard uh, sane anger. God um, If you
2: sit through it, you'll be like, Okay. And then you'll never go back to it.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean yeah. it's and it's whatever they're still out there doing their thing which is pretty awesome yeah it's pretty butt rocky i can't can't, it's funny like even maiden like one of my favorite bands of all time they have a whole half of their catalog i've never heard yeah you know same yeah
2: um (laughs) and then i try to listen to half an album and i get three songs in. i'm like yeah you know what
0: I heard some. Of, I heard the 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 newest one. I I liked some of that stuff. I thought that was pretty good.
1: They had some stuff on Brave New World that I thought was okay. Yeah, the Wicker yeah. Man's song. I'll awesome. check that. Yeah, one out. Wicker man, yeah. man. I covered that with an old punk band. Yeah, punk that I'll I was check was that yeah. But what Brave New World? Yeah, I'll check that. out. It's got some cool track. Wicker Man's a good song. I would say that's probably the best song on that CD. That's a good song. I'm with you though. I feel you. There's a generation of Iron Maiden that I just didn't listen to. I know all the priests, though. I know you do. You do. Hell yeah. Yeah. You and me used to go back and forth about Maiden and Priest.
0: I like them both. I mean, I love them both.
1: The guitaring and Priest, I will give it to Brian on that one, man. That dude is... I'm uh, give it to me. Give it to K.K. and Glenn. He's a fucking animal. <laughs> I just love the writing style of Maiden. Like, they're melodic. Like, they're melodic and just, like, the, the their writing is fucking brilliant. And there was nothing like it, like what they did. Like, they sounded
0: nothing Yeah, no, like there it. was never anything like it
1: yeah. before. Yeah. And I dressed like old war pilots.
2: Yeah. <laughs> old British war pilots.
1: Well, you... Oh, it was my brother Chris, Jamie, and Pat McKean. We went and saw Maiden... Uh, play with Ghost at uh, the Comcast Center, God, what, four or five years ago. It was before my brother Chris passed away. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. That was a great time, and they played everything you'd want them to play.
0: Yeah, they did uh, a couple of tours in a row. They did kind of best of sets. Yeah. From yeah. certain parts of their career.
1: Yeah. Y'all um, remember this one? Yeah, you can't get it. You can't go against that shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite song, one of my favorite things they ever put out was their Rock in Rio though. The Rock in Rio DVD. So that is insane. That that is like
0: right when Bruce Dickinson came back in the band. Yeah. People don't remember like in the mid '90s he left and they had another singer Blaze Bailey come in and they were playing Lupos. Like they fucking played Lupos and they played I think the Orpheum. They went from being like a arena band to playing Lupos. Oh, I didn't know that. And when Bruce came, I know Bruce. Left came back on that Brave New World album yeah that and yeah. Rio show yeah. <laughs> like is fucking insane there's like half a million people like when they do Run dude, to the Hills wild. and you can't even hear his voice Like yep. the crowd is so loud yeah that's epic. fucking awesome epic yeah yeah for sure
1: yeah who is the dude that took his place when he left
0: Blaze Bailey and you feel bad for the guy because it's like nothing he like he just he just set up to fail you're coming in yeah. Replacing Icon, and that has only worked, like, twice. Yeah. Like, ACDC and Van Halen, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Where that the bands... all right.
0: Didn't go belly up.
1: Well, dude, like, Iron Maiden, even before that, though, the original singer. He was a fucking awesome singer. Um...
0: Paul Paul Deano.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: um, yeah. I Dude, mean, the, the Killers' albums might be my favorite album. It's a fucking song wise. Oh god, it's so good. They just had they had a lot of trouble with that guy. I mean, it's obviously a different vocal range with Bruce Dickinson. But yes, I've read things yes. like he was just. Oh, they he, couldn't handle him. They couldn't get into like. I don't think they could get into the United States on <laughs> like for shows, like at one point because he had warrants out you know? yeah like they had a lot of problems like yeah, outside an of animal. music, you know, just personal issues with the guy.
1: It's sad, but like you don't see that often where like they get a new singer and they you know take the fuck off, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> took the fuck off, but yeah he he was awesome, man, he was a good singer, he was a great singer at that time. I saw him on an interview on uh, that metal show like 10 years ago. When it was ah, it was depressing. It was sad to watch cuz he looks like shit and just
0: I think he had just read he's putting out a book. Really? Yeah, of his time with Maiden. Oh, I'd like to see. I'd like to read that. But some of those songs on those first two albums are my favorite Maiden songs of all time. Like yeah. Kill- great. Killers and and Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. You know.
1: Definitely. It's crazy it's crazy like that that's a their fortunate band. they're like what ended up happening with them is uh just fortunate that doesn't happen
0: they had like a a, a resurgence in popularity absolutely like over the last you know what really did it was uh when they did that tour have you seen that documentary that flight six 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 with they saw some of it yeah so like they went out and did they recreated the stage from 1984 when they did the Power Slave tour, yeah, which was called the World Slavery tour. I don't know Ugh. if you could call it that now. Um, and so they recreated good, that stage and did that set, and it just it sold out everywhere, Dude. everywhere. Ugh. And then next thing you know, they're playing Comcast Center, and yeah. you know it's like it's crazy to think like ten years before you could have seen them at Lupo's. Mm. They were my first concert.
1: At Lupo's? At
0: 1988 at the Providence Civic Center.
1: Oh, Ma- wow. Maiden? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No shit. With Ace
0: Fraley opening up. Wow. Yeah. Which I was probably obsessed with Kiss at that
1: Dude, point. Dude. So. That must have been memorable.
0: Yeah, I used to go to all the big shows there. Like, all the shows would come through there. Metallica and Maiden and Ozzy. That's yeah, where I saw- I lived saw, in Rhode Island. Uh, I lived in Norton, Massachusetts, which oh, is closer okay. to the Rhode Island border than- uh, than Boston province was closer, so we we'd go to all the shows there. Oh, that's brilliant! Motley Crue, just everything. But I like I was telling you earlier, like I saw Anthrax when I was fourteen. I saw them f- five times after, but I went last month to see them at the House of Blues, and they were fucking amazing. Like might they might have sounded better now than they ever have, and I think a lot of these musicians they're clean now yeah they take care of themselves and especially the singers Mm. like really take care of their voices now and i was there with my son who's 16 and he was loving it and i was like this is fucking insane that i'm 48 years old standing here with my 16 year old son and he's getting (laughs) into the band that i fucking lost my mind over
1: and they sound just as good yeah
0: yeah that's insane but he like he was loving it and uh I, Exodus played that night. I had never seen Exodus. That oh, was like wow. a bucket list band. They were fucking amazing.
1: Didn't Kirk Hammett play in Exodus? Yeah, he
0: was. He started Exodus. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, just seeing my son, like the way he <laughs> he was so into it, I was like, this is fucking insane. Like how fast time has gone by because it feels like ten years ago that I was at these shows, and it's really. <laughs> Thirty-five years ago, <laughs> and it's scary. It's scary how fast time goes by. Yeah, yeah. I have the so he. My son has my stereo that I bought when I was in high school. Get like, out from landscaping jobs. He's got the <laughs> receiver and the speakers, and I had to go out and get a new uh CD player and tape deck, and we got a turntable. But he was. Listening to um, Alice in Chains' Dirt.
1: Wow. And he said to me like Great recently, he's like, album. he's like,
0: Dad, you got to come hear this album through these speakers. And I'm like, dude, I fucking, do you know how many <laughs> fucking times I've blasted this fucking albums on this stereo <laughs> at my parents' house? Like, it's like, yeah, I bet it sounds awesome. You That's know? a riot. I have some of the vinyl that are first vinyl albums I bought when I was like nine years old. god knows where i got ten dollars from probably cutting grass but my mother would drive me to bradley's no shit Buy like pyromania metal health (laughs) journey still have the vinyl he's got it in his room oh that's
1: phenomenal yeah it's oh you must be a proud dad it's cool it's
0: cool it's cool to have it's just cool to have kids that aren't fuck-ups honestly to have like we we don't Outside of the band, I don't do anything without my family. Like the rest of my time is at the house. We watch we always watch a movie Friday night. Um two of my kids take guitar lessons, which is ironic. Because somebody else is asking me to give their kid guitar lessons. But sometimes your kids don't listen to you, so I gotta send yeah. them somewhere else. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. So, uh, you know, it's, I spend, you know, Saturday morning is, you know, one of them's got karate class, the other two got guitar, and I'm back and forth. And then it's, we watch movies together, and uh, we'll, we'll watch, you know, we just watch Last of Us all together. We watch A Mandalorian. So all my time outside of the band is spent with family and um that's beautiful that's you know i mean yeah we're just we're very proud of the kids they're good kids
1: dude those there's so many amazing moments and so many great advantages to life that you have with your kids yeah. and i know a lot of i know a lot of people that don't have kids and 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 i'll even see them like openly praise it on facebook like how happy they are to live the bachelor life and not have kids. And they'll talk about it Mm. on Facebook, you know? Yeah. But like, they will never know the fucking simplistic beauty of it all. Like just to have like your own children who you enjoy life with, and you can see them enjoying life through their own eyes. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's amazing. There's no other feeling like it. (laughs) You know, and I have a
0: wonderful wife and, uh, been married 19 years this mm. year. And, you know. I'm not
1: hating on bachelors, by the way. No, no, not you at know. all. Do it, do whatever. But
0: uh, yeah, we feel very blessed, very lucky. Yeah. You know? And you just hope when you send them out the door that they make the right decisions. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> you worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, I think that's a big reason why a lot of people don't want to have kids because deep down they don't want to have to worry about shit like that, but when you have somebody you care so immensely about and you worry about shit like that, yeah. it's, it's more beautiful than it is anything else. And, uh, yeah. A lot of people miss out on that.
0: Yeah. And I wouldn't have been, you know, I was 30 when I got married. So I guess my, I was 32 when my son was born. I wouldn't have been mature enough to handle it in my twenties. Sure. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, Because, like, back then, you know, like, I never did a show where where I was sober, ever. (laughs) You know? I mean, it was just, drank a lot. I mean, I worked hard, you know? I was a hard worker, but I just, I would always, we'd be going out, always drinking, and I just don't live like that anymore. It's not a bad thing. I don't know if I could, I'd fucking die. (laughs) Yeah. So it's funny doing shows now. Like, I don't drink at the shows. I might have a beer after, but...
1: You remember it all. (laughs) I
0: I feel like, you know what? Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Like, alcohol affects me differently at my age now. Like, I feel like I start to forget. Like, my short-term memory Mm. goes away. So, I, w- there was a, t- a party two or three years ago. We were playing at, and I had five or six beers, and we we're in mid-song, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Can't remember the songs, you know. So I was like, if you're pa- if you're paying money to see me, you deserve to see me. On
1: your best, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I, it's just a, it's just a totally different vibe. Yeah, and uh, it's so much. It's like more. It's always been a lot of work to do shows, but it's like now it's like it's I feel it like moving the gear and everything like that yeah you know it's like this is a fucking job i can't be I can't be hammered i not I don't know if you know not everybody in the in the band lives by my creed, but uh <laughs> it works for me, you know
1: yeah, I take it show by show there's some shows I don't drink there's some shows I do. I don't. Is
0: what it is. <laughs> I told, I told, uh, I told them. I was like, "This thing we're gonna do in a few weeks." I was like, "Hey, maybe I'll get fucked up with this. And you guys can see why I don't drink at the shows anymore. <laughs> well, I'll act like an asshole. Oh, I and hope s- I get to see start that. a fight, <laughs> <laughs> insult somebody I care about, and hate myself the next day. You know, go old school." <laughs>
1: Dude, I love drinking with your singer. <laughs> I love drinking with Rob, man. He's a fun time. <laughs> yeah, he's a fun guy. He's a fun guy. He really is. He
2: was trying to come in tonight, but he said fifty fifty. He wouldn't be able to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's playing it by ear. That's okay. <laughs> we love you, Rob.
0: Yeah, he um he and I we we talk music all the time. Just laugh. he's got a sense of humor like mine, like very Immature, R-rated. We just laugh constantly. Pat's kind of the most adult one out of...
1: Really? Yeah, yeah. That's a riot. Pat, really? Yeah, he's, a, he's definitely
0: the more mature one. Oh,
1: that's adorable. Out of all
0: of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all we do is laugh. We just play music and laugh. We've never had an argument. We've never had a fight.
1: I think that's probably one of the secrets to longevity yeah yeah you have to laugh
0: so that's you know when it comes a marriage
1: to marriage or a band whatever
0: you know yeah I, I told myself before I even got back into this like I'm never gonna be in a band again where I argue with people if it comes to that point I'm not, not gonna play it. music yeah you know so if, if I have an idea and somebody has another idea I just go with it just go with the flow yeah you know
1: yeah creative compromise because i love
0: the music and i love the band and i love the shows so what's the other option like be, be home, home <laughs> alone because you somebody doesn't like your idea and you're yeah. just gonna draw a line in the sand like yeah not doing that
1: yeah no it's not worth it it's not worth it
0: no i've seen i've been in bands that like where people quit it's so pretentious you
1: know, like, shit like that is a big turnoff. It's just pretentious. It's like, uh, you know, just do what each other like and yeah. and compromise and do things, you know? Just compromise. That's all there is.
0: We play songs
1: that I never, like,
0: we have a song called IBM that really has only two riffs.
1: What does IBM stand for?
0: Fuck me if I know. Rob came up with it.
1: <laughs> oh, God. It's not. Rob, what does IBM stand for? Yeah. <laughs>
0: But it's it's a two riff song, like I would never write, like.
2: like Keith, an irritable bowel movement. Probably. Keith Keith
0: had a Keith had a riff, <laughs> and Rob was like, "That's cool." And then Keith's like, "Another riff," and Rob's like, "That's cool." And then they were like, "All right, that's a song." And I was like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. That's not that's two riffs. That's not a that's not a song." Hey, it can be. So it is. It's it's. Yeah, I just went with it. Yeah, there you go. I know riffs that are
2: one. I know songs that are one riff. So yeah. so.
0: So then it's like, well, how do I make this interesting for me? Because, like I said go. before, like I have to
1: love this. That's what you gotta do. So
0: how do I make this interesting for me? And as I, the bass and player, I, and I and I and I do that.
2: Challenge accepted. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, that's,
1: that's brilliant.
0: Yeah, that's what it's all about.
1: And it's probably a dope song.
0: People like it.
1: Fuck yeah! It's
0: upbeat. It's one of the more punk sounding songs we have. Yeah. Like because you're so punk. I'm not, but <laughs> but but that was what they were going for. Yeah, I'm I'm not whatever that word means we nowadays. Should, yeah, we should get I, you some studded
2: leather. I live in the fucking we suburbs, mow, and I we can fucking, hawk you
0: up, dude. Take care of my grass and my fucking flower beds. I'm not get your studded. That's punk. That's, uh, yeah, punk yeah. yeah.
1: that's punk rock. I'm into it. that's punk rock. I see people arguing over what is punk now on Facebook all the time, and it's like, oh, oh my god, die! Well,
2: it's good to know that I don't miss die.
1: <laughs> well, you
0: know what the thing? One of the things that I think is cool about it, like I love blues, and um, one of the things with punk, it's it's if I mean I don't know, like I said I don't even know what what the definition is anymore. I don't think anyone does. But I think when it started, it was kind of a do-it-yourself. Like, we're, we're, we don't really, we're not, like, musically trained, but we're, we're making, we're creating something that sounds awesome to us. Mm. And a lot of times it's brilliant in its simplicity, how it just catches you and doesn't let go of you. And that's a lot has a lot in common with blues musicians, uh, that mm. really aren't trained uh, you know, in music theory and such and are just doing what comes natural and creating something that mm. it's the feeling of what they're putting out that's grabbing hold of people. And then you're like so like especially when I got into the Ramones, another band I had known my whole life, but Dude was,
1: Ramones are like to me, Ramones are like the the definition of a rock and roll band. They, yeah, and they that's what they a would
0: tell you. Rock band. You. That's what they would tell you that they were a rock and roll band. Fuck yeah. Um, but they made me like rethink everything that I thought I knew about music because I was like, this is so simple, and like, why? Why does it <laughs> grab a hold of me? Yeah. The way it does. Yeah. Like I should be bored with it because I've been listening to Rush sure. all my life and sure. and 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 whatever you know and, and it's like this is so simple at its core and it's like it's brilliant. So it's just you know, it made me rethink. I was like, you know what? If you like it, you like it. Stop fucking analyzing everything. Yeah, like music doesn't need to be analyzed. It's like if you if it makes you happy. Yeah, just fucking go with it. Yeah, you know,
1: it's art. It's and it's
0: not always, you know, it's funny. I was telling the guys, like, we, we talked about playing um, hybrid moments. Mm. Yeah. I was telling them, like, I have, a, I have a really tough time playing that because, and it's the same with Ramon's songs. It's so fast, and sometimes there's not tempo changes um, to to signify when the chord changes are, Yep. it just all happens so fast, and if you miss your spot, it's like falling off the fucking train. <laughs> like you know, you gotta hit your spot like right on time. Sure. You know, you just you're just you're playing really fast, and you're kind and of if like, you where's, don't, where's, it's where's, gonna sound like shit. Yeah, like where the fuck it where the man is this where the changes? Fuck, I missed it. Yeah, you know, and yeah. then it all goes to shit. Um, Making me
2: think of Johnny Ramone, the most selfless man ever one of the most talented guitar players ever. I love him. Yeah. So he's one, he is I one don't my any of my favorite. Well,
0: he is one of my favorite guitar players because like again, you listen to him and you're like what's what is he doing that's making this unique because it's on its outside it just sounds pretty simple and then I found out he all he did was downstrokes. Mm. All downstrokes. And that is really fucking hard to do. Like if, <laughs> if if anybody plays guitar and it's like, you know, and, and you're it, playing at the tempo that they're yeah, playing like on. all downstrokes yeah. is fucking insane, it's dude. Crazy. That's really hard. And that fed over to metal, like Metallica, like James Hetfield is f- famous for that, and Megadeth. And it's like, well, I think Johnny Ramone, as far as I know, was the first guy to do this. Like, oh. and he's
2: like not full of himself at all. Mm. I didn't mean anything I've said about Johnny Ramone so far in this podcast. He's an
0: interesting guy. Fuck yeah, Um,
2: he's my arch enemy.
0: You don't like him?
1: (laughs) You just doubled fucking back. He sounded like one eighty. I mean, he (laughs) he sounded
0: like he was a tough guy to be in a band with. Yeah, like definitely. Like, he tried to run it like a military camp. Yeah, for sure. And um, he invented
2: friggin' guitar. Thank God. Guitar. Thank
1: God he did what he did, though. <laughs> and, yeah, and he invented
2: guitar playing, he acted like, and, you know. Well, he had
1: certainly his invented credit, his style. Yeah, his to guitar. his credit, he sure did. Um, but I think, like,
0: they, you know, they were influenced by like the Beatles and the Beach Boys yeah. and the Stooges and things you know they they saw themselves as a rock and roll band. Have you seen that end of they the were. century? Yep. Do, I think so I they, I think and I they saw that one. and they I, that, I think that's like the best yeah. band documentary ever. It's phenomenal. Ever. And they talk about that at some point like how they got lumped in with like this <laughs> when the Sex Pistols came out. Yeah. And it fucked them.
1: Yeah, yeah, because there were nothing like them. (laughs) Yeah, like,
0: he's like, like, they're comparing us to these bands like they're going out and spitting on the crowd and, you know, putting safety pins through their fucking noses and shit. He's like, we're just a fucking rock and roll band.
2: Like, legit rock and roll band. Yeah. How many drummers? Four. Four drummers, Jesus.
0: There was uh, Tommy, who was the original. Yeah, yeah. Who was, I think, had kind of a breakdown. He couldn't hand, like, he the touring and um, yeah. it was just too much for him. Yeah. So he stepped aside and um, they brought in Marky. Tommy became their producer, actually. So Marky played for several albums and uh, he had a drinking problem. <laughs> and I'm not sure if he was fired or he quit. He's a DD buddy. Yeah. Um, And then they brought in... The drummer from Blondie played uh, a couple of shows with them.
1: Yeah, they did a lot of shows. Clem Burke, is that his name? Yeah. And then there was
0: another guy that played on two albums. Um, And I can't remember his name. It was Peter Kress. And they brought, then then Marky came back and he says on the documentary, he's like, I was out of the band for like five years. He's like, and I came back and like, Joey and Johnny still weren't talking to each other. (laughs) it was fucking insane wild yeah that's a that's a uh, that's a fantastic documentary the dysfunctionality of the band yeah and even after Joey had (coughs) died on that movie um the interviewer asks Johnny like did you go see him and he was like no and and he said uh I, I didn't talk to him for 20 years. And if I was dying, I wouldn't want somebody come to see me that I wasn't really friendly with. But crazy. you could see he crazy. was... he was. Oh, he felt he was it. Yes, he couldn't yeah. He couldn't bring himself to admit it, yeah. that he was really sad, and yeah. he really missed him. Because he then said, like, he was a Ramon. He's like, and I love him because he was a Ramon. He's yeah. like, if I ever heard anybody say anything bad about him, I'd stand up for him. Sure. He's like, he was a Ramon. Yeah. And it was like, he could not take down that wall and just say like I miss the guy, I love the guy. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm.
0: And then he was gone. hmm You yeah. know? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Was was Dee, Dee the last one to go? I think mm. I think Tommy.
0: Didi Tom. over d like O like right after the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Yeah like a of Yeah. Weeks later. That's right. That's right. And yeah. uh Tommy died uh, <sighs> like five years ago. Oh yeah. yeah. He
2: was the latest one, wasn't he? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was of Dee Dee, the original- it was
1: Didi then Tommy, right?
0: Dee Dee and then Tommy, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. And they all three of them, except for Didi. Dee Dee was an overdose, but the other three may have been cancer. I know yeah. I know Joey and Johnny were cancer. Right, right. Marky's uh, alive. And yeah. the uh CJ, who was the bass player they brought in mm. for the last few albums, he's still alive.
1: That's so crazy. Yeah. Was it Dee Dee that played with or was going to tour with Gigi? Yeah, Ellen. it was Didi, right? He
0: played a couple of shows with him. He said on one of those documentaries, he was like, "I, I didn't know he was gonna fucking do the shit." Like he's like, "I didn't know you were gonna do that stuff." <laughs> yeah, it's like, how yeah. fucking out of control do you need to be? Oh fucking the awesome! Fucking Didi is that. Ramon doesn't want to be. In <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, they were like so looking forward to him being in the band. They were like crazy. They were like wild over the fact that he called them and was like, Yeah, I'll fucking play
0: with you guys. Rob loves Gigi Allen.
1: Does he? I thought it was I funny. never talked to Rob about Gigi I Allen. I told Rob so I can l- see that. That makes the, sense. I listened to the
0: Witch's <laughs> Tears uh podcast and when that when you guys like the last half hour. Oh that was fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah we had a lot of fun with that. That was a, they were they are a fun group of guys.
1: They really are, yeah.
0: So you know what's really funny about them is t- Bowen and uh Gareth yeah. play in void keeper yep, uh, which is a metal band. Yeah, like almost like we played with him once. I, I don't even know Those what I would compare awesome, it to. I would, man. I almost would almost say like a black metal. Like his style of singing is like black metal. Yeah, like in that band. Yeah. So we saw them and they were heavy as fuck. And then they're a three piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then a couple of a month later, two months later, we did a show with, which is tears. They have a different drummer and it's a different style of music. Yep. And I didn't know it was a di- I thought it was the same band. So I'm like, what? I'm like, they're fucking really different this time. Yeah. I'm like, it's almost more of a, like a blue cheer, like stoner thing.
1: They're a talented group of dudes. And the
0: single that they put out is fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: it is. Who's, did you
0: ask them, who's singing on? Is that Gareth?
1: Um, Yeah, I think it is. What, I and think it's it not, is. he's not
0: singing English. Yeah. I don't know what he's... Singing, I don't you know, don't language, know. but it's it's I, I, so I,
1: I don't want to say it's gaelic but i know he's it's DM, i know he's from ireland it's a language <laughs> pulled
2: from a dm tree tea trip
1: yeah probably <laughs> dude they're so fun they're so good they're so talented you know bowen's dad is steve stains
0: yeah i've i he's really a, he's a nice guy He's a really nice guy. I've talked to him at the shows.
1: Yeah, he's rad. I'll be saying on Another night. good bass player. Yeah. Bon <laughs> another another
0: really good bass player.
1: Dude, I was just working at uh this house in uh situate the other day, and in the CD collection of the house I was working in, right there, Steve stains. <laughs> like a whole fucking a bunch of his CDs. Those
0: <laughs> all three of those guys are interesting in their own way. They are. And yeah. you need to have them on separately. I would love to because when yeah. they were here, how many times did you oh. have to go, guys, we're stepping on each other? Yeah, I'm like, knock it up, you guys are killing us. Like,
1: <laughs> you're fucking murder in the conversation. Dip,
0: like, different conversations going on. Yep. You had a run of really good shows. I loved the the gang green one. I thought that was tremendous. Dude,
1: I want to have Chris back on.
0: And <sighs> you you did a, a fantastic job
2: a semi-annual oh, retrospective directing the conversation, A Hard Rock, thank thank hard rock Life retrospective. Yeah,
1: with that was Alex. a really good one. Thank you. That thank was a really you. good. One. That means a lot, man. Because
0: he he started, you know, he had it was dark. He, he had a bad break. Yeah. You know and he started
1: he had a stroke. Yeah,
0: and he, and and that's how the conversation started. Yeah. And um but there's a lot to to be happy about, like, he's still here and he's still playing music. He's killing it. And, uh, you know, you were able to, uh, I mean, the, the the stroke, if you want to talk to that guy, you, that's part of his story. Yeah. But that's not his whole story. Right. And you were able to, to get... You know,
1: get to the fun parts of his life. Yeah, (laughs) and and you
0: don't want to gloss over that because that's obviously like serious where he is now in life. He's still dealing with that, but you did a great job like navigating that to to. Happier place,
1: dude. That means a lot, yeah. That was a good one. That was a really good well, one. No, yeah.
0: thank he was, you, man. Even like,
2: he, even him, he was like, Yeah, I was out laid out
0: on the stretcher in front of the nurses. <laughs> I haven't been naked in front
2: of that many people since we toured with social
0: distortion. Yeah, exactly you know, he said he was laying there for a couple of days, right? Before it's somebody brutal. found him, yeah, but yeah, it was yeah, yeah,
1: 36 hours, <clears throat> some shit like that. It's crazy, man. And like, it's, it's uh, thanks so much for saying that, dude. Like. Yeah, because and I said this I think twice on that episode that he was like the soundtrack to like a certain part of my youth and many other people's generations. Youth, yeah, generations. You made a youth. remark. Yeah. You,
0: I, I specifically remember exactly what you said because when later in the podcast you guys were talking about rancid and some of the newer punk bands,
2: <laughs> and we fucking hated them. Oh, <laughs> dude, <laughs> we like, that was awesome. Rancid. But you
0: said you said those guys are driving their tour buses on the road you paved, yeah. and that's. That's true. Yeah. You know? And that happens with so many guys. Because when you think about the type of music they were playing, there weren't a ton of people doing
1: it. It might have been Mikey that said that. Oh, was it him? I alluded to it. But somebody, yeah. yeah, Somebody, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, if if he said that, he was dead on. No, that's beautiful. Because, you know. I don't think I said that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you had the, like, West Coast, like, late 70s punk thing going on. Of course, you have the Ramones. Yeah. But they are like a really important band in that style of music, especially like on the East coast and influenced a lot of people. Yeah. And he didn't get to uh, like get the success that he might've, you know, had he come along 10 years later.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's an amazing story. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's the way it always is. A lot of peaks and valleys.
1: Yeah. 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 There's people that benefited after him on that, like you said, like on that road that
0: he. It's paid. it blows my mind. Like when I, th- mm. what, what we did that show with, with trapped, mm. those yeah. fucking guys had a. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys had a. Those guys had a platinum
1: album. Dude, they sold a fucking the fucking platinum one album. That song "Headstrong" has like a billion plays. Literally, uh, <laughs> the, the
0: Motorhead never had a platinum album. Yeah, yeah. The, I think the Ramones' first album went plas- platinum like last year. Yeah, like these bands like never sense. like these bands that Ugh. changed music forever <laughs> never had that kind of success. And this these bands that like if you if you were pushed by AF and BCN, like in the early 2000s, yeah, you, were you had a platinum album.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And platinum, you're right. If they, if those, minimum
2: is If those bands
1: were 10 100. years later, they would have been there.
2: Diamond like, is 10 million. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 10 million.
2: Multi-platinum yeah. is 2 million. Platinum is 1 million.
0: <laughs> like, Motorhead, to me, is like s- such an important oh band. Oh, my God. Motorhead is like the link between like, Black Sabbath and like Metallica. Yeah. Cause when you're and like, what, yes. Like when you, you're like, well, all right. So I see the roots of heavy metal in yeah. the deep purples and the Led Zeppelin's and the, and the Black Sabbath, but how the fuck does it go to anthrax and Megadeth and Metallica? Like what happened fucking along the motorhead. way? And it's fucking Motorhead.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's fucking Motorhead is that band.
0: <laughs> all those guys. Like I watched a documentary on Motorhead and drummer after drummer, whether it be Dave Lombardo or Lars Ulrich or whoever, they were all like, the song Motorhead is yeah. the first time I heard double bass. Yeah, they're double, like the double Beatles, kick yeah. like as far yeah. as influential yeah. fans
1: go. Yeah. Guess sure. who the GOATs
2: are, though, for Platinum.
1: Who is the GOATs?
2: The best-selling album of all time in Head the strong. U.S. It's got to
0: be Thriller.
2: <laughs> the Eagles' greatest hits, 71 to 75. Wow. Yeah. 50, 15, Platinum.
0: Mixed. Wow, that would have been. Uh, I know the big ones are, Thriller, the Eagle Eagles Greatest Hits, the Back in, in Black,
2: the Record Industry of America, R I A A says, uh, Radiohead. Okay, Pink which Floyd. means a platinum album requires a mere 1.5 billion streams.
1: What the oh. fuck? That's where we're at now. That's where we're at. Holy shit!
2: You need 1.5 billion streams to to do a platinum award digitally.
1: Wow!
2: Billion.
1: Whoa. Taylor Swift.
2: That's why trapped is platinum because they hit a billion on uh yeah on that song I
1: think yeah headstrong. Well, yeah. they sold. Let That was twenty
0: twenty years over twenty years ago. No, so. but
1: on the digital downloads. Is it?
0: Is it still? Did they get? I'll check right now. Yeah,
1: like over the digital downloads in the past twenty years, they hit like half a billion or a billion.
0: And they're fine, whatever. If you like it, you like it. But it's just they're it's terrible.
1: terrible. But that's okay. It's not. Mean, it's not. It's not. Okay. It's not, Alex. Okay, it's right. not my thing. <laughs> no. But so, it's all it's right. Just, headstrong
2: is three hundred forty-eight million.
1: Yo, that's crazy. That is crazy.
2: So they ain't fucking shit digitally.
1: That's, sure. That's
0: actually like when I checked out of music, I stopped <laughs> listening to new music. You're in Headstrong.
1: You're like I'm. Good. It wasn't
2: that. It was like. It was like. Two million, two and a half million monthly
0: listeners. That's like corn light, dude. Wow. It's like the seven light? seven yeah, string guitars, yeah. Chug, chug, Cheat, chug, chug, Cheat. Like that's corn could you're write gonna, a
1: fucking song. Corn
0: fans are coming after you. I like corn is, is no corn could no, write Korn, a song. Corn is like he's a, not shitting. Corn is a landmark band. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. then, like anything that comes along that changes the game, it gets imitated and copied. Yes, yes. and.
1: Nobody copies. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you got to say that into the mic, Brad guy. <laughs> that
2: was fucking Lion King right there. What the hell is that? <laughs> I don't
1: know what that was. You did it way better. You got to do it better into the mic. I bought mic. the
0: first two Korn albums and I thought they were awesome. Yeah. And then next three thing I knew, awesome. I next thing I knew everything sounded like Korn. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, everything sounded like
1: Korn. Totally, man.
0: We were talking about this like, Keith loves like the '90s Seattle stuff and everything like that. And I was saying like, like I love I love the- all the, like the original bands that like the Big Four. I guess your Nirvana, your your Soundgarden, your Alice in Chains, your Pearl Jam, STP. I loved all. I don't, I don't know if I would say they're they were in the same time frame, but they're they all just have music different that I like. But but so all those bands put out albums I loved and then you fast forward five or six years and there's just a bunch of like watered down copycat yeah. stuff and yeah. it's like, you're like, what the fuck? Like what, what is happening Le- with music right
1: now? Le- <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I, mean, I don't even want to, like you said on here one time, like you don't like to shit on bands. I don't either, but like, we the, could on let's shit up. Up. Nickel, on bands. let Nickelback. No, All yeah, right. But like when you, ha- like, no, this it's hard to shit on bands. This is what Canada has done to us. It is hard to shit on, like uh, on bands. The copycat, I, we, we did washed say that. Up stuff. You know, it's like
1: yeah, no, there's stuff worth shitting on. Like I, I know exactly what you're uh, what you're talking about. We did say it's hard to shit on bands because everybody is creating their own art, and and it's like I could name a song from any band that I like. It doesn't mean I like that band. They at least have one song that I like. So it's hard to be like, fuck that band.
2: Chad Kroger is one of the richest
0: songwriters
2: yeah.
1: in the world. Yeah, I know. I know.
2: I remember
0: hearing like punk stuff that came out in like the 2000s, and I'm just like, it's not, there's something missing. And it's like, it sounds like, so Green Day comes out. Yeah. Green
2: it, Day. We got to clarify.
0: Green, is, that what, is that what I say?
2: No, it was funny the way he said it. <laughs> green Day. So, not Green so Jelly, Green to Day. To me,
0: Green Day is that Dookie album could, could be a Ramones album. Those all sound like Ramones songs. Insomniac. Yeah, that's true. Insomniac. It was, oh, it
1: was definitely heavily influenced so, by the
2: Ramones for sure. And then Insomniac get, would be a better Ramones.
0: And then comparison. you go 10 years into the future and you hear bands that you can tell their main influence is Green Day. And it's like, have you ever heard the Ramones, dude? yeah like you know what I mean like there's sure, something sure. missing like there's there's like a, a missing ingredient it's like
1: a missing step in evolution. yeah it's just <laughs> something it's just
0: missing something you know yeah and those bands are hot for a minute and they fade away yeah you know because they just don't have I don't know they just don't have that something That something special I feel like special.
1: there's one band that like I think like Blink 182 was a band that like took that sound and took it to another level Like, I know a lot of people hate Blink-182, but what they did with their first three albums I thought was fucking awesome.
0: I mean, they wrote good, catchy songs, They really did, though.
1: Well, I mean, like, from, like, Buddha to Cheshire Cat to Dude Ranch and even to, like, Enema of the State. Is that what that was called? That's Barkers. Yeah. Yeah, they had two different drummers. But, like, they took that Green Day sound and Ramon sound, but they mixed it with, like, no effects and, like... Some Jimmy Eat World, maybe like they just did all these different things that I thought they, I I thought it was great. Like what they did at that time, I thought was great. I don't imagine you're a Blink One Eighty Two fan.
0: I I mean that music came out when I was, uh, I think my, the music that really really affected me. I heard it all when I was a teenager. Yeah. Sure. So anything sure. after that is
1: like second rate.
0: It's not second rate but it's like I I it's like it's not going to have the impact on me. Yeah. That that though like nothing will ever like nothing could ever affect me the way like hearing Iron Maiden for the first time. Yeah. Or putting yeah. on or like being 12 years old and putting in a cassette tape and hearing Battery. Mm off master puppets for for the first and knowing nothing about the band yeah, where you're just like what the fuck is this like i've never (laughs) heard anything like this before yeah so the the music that that came out uh years later like i like some of it it's good i can i can definitely appreciate it but it's not like what i would not it's not something i would listen to like i'm like like driving down here you know, like, the last few years, like, the bands I've really been into are, like, T-Rex, Slade, UFO. Uh, I've been obsessed with Thin Lizzy for 20 years. Like, that stuff's in my, like, playlist. I really started going back and getting into Scorpions. Yeah, Like, late, late 70s 80s. I was gonna 80s. Scorpions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fucking great. Yeah, I mean, because it was, like, I really became obsessed with Michael Schenker. Yeah. And he's a guy like I used to buy guitar magazines when I was a kid and he was all like people were always talking about Michael Schenker and uh the first time I saw Michael Schenker was he put out a video in like 88 and it was on Headbanger's Ball mm. and I was like this isn't that great It was like he was like he was one of his versions of his solo it was it was actually called the Macaulay Schenker Group and he had this hit single and it just sounded like it was it was trying to compete with uh Like LA metal. Sure. You know, and I was like, yeah, this is like, this is the guy. This is the guy everybody's talking about. Mm. Like the guitar god. Mm. Eh, Whatever. You know, and And then you go back and
1: listen now. Well, no,
0: then like 15 years go by and my buddy gives me a stack of CDs and he's like, check these out. And I'm like, it's like UFO's greatest hits. And I put that in and I was like, oh, oh. Oh, you get it. Like, (laughs) this is what everybody was fucking talking about. Like, now I got to, like, I need more of this. Yeah. So I go down this rabbit hole. Yeah. With UFO and then with the and then the the especially the uh, the Love Drive album he did with the Scorpions and we I went to see him in like November with my son that was my son's first concert we went to see Michael Schenker I think he was supposed to play at the Vault in New Bedford and the Vault closed so all those show, they tried to relocate all those shows he played at this it's called the Narrow Center for the Arts in New Bedford I've heard of that and we went there. And, the, and it was a tiny room, and we were, like, 50 feet away, 40 feet away from Michael Schenker, and he was on that night, which isn't always the case from everything. I ever, like, he was famous for walking off, you know, he had a point in his career where, like, he might not show up. He might walk off stage. He might be fucked up, you know, but now he seems sober and clean and his head's in the right place, and he was fucking on fire. Yeah. And it was, like, you, like you see in, like seen one of the greatest guitar players ever tonight. Yeah. You know, so that was awesome. Um, But that's a guy, like, I'm always looking for a band or an artist that was right under my nose the whole time, mm. and I never paid attention to sure, him. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I bore the shit out of that Love Drive album, the Scorpions album with him.
2: Scorpions hold a candle to Priest in my head when it comes to guitars. Mm. Mm. Special.
0: Uh I mean, nobody... Michael Schenker Schenker is probably an influence on Judas Priest. German engineering. Yeah. Which is fucking crazy when you think about that, because they grew up in the rubble of World War II, and it's like, how the fuck did you guys, like...
2: And their first hit wasn't Hurricane. It was No One Like You.
0: I mean, they were really popular in the 70s, but they didn't have, like, the commercial breakthrough. Mm. You know, they were, like... You know, like I bought the album uh, Tokyo Tapes. Hmm. Where they had uh, Yuli John Roth, and he's fucking like, he's an insane guitar player. <laughs> like just doing this like neoclassical classical shit. Yeah, fifteen years before Ingve, like yeah. he is an absolutely insane guitar player. And they were big. Crazy. Like they're playing like that album. I think they recorded at Budokan, like four nights. I mean, they were a really big band. But it wasn't until uh, MTV. Yeah. Like, you know, that they that they exploded. Um
1: Dude, winds of change. That song Yeah, was that was amazing. huge. Oh my god. I I hated that fucking song I, I, as a kid.
2: Down in Donkey Park. Yeah, dude. Or that song. I
1: hated that song as a kid. And it, for some reason, every time I was in Marshfield, whether it was at a friend's house or on the jetty, uh, it would be overcast and I think about that song. And I hated it.
0: For some <laughs> reason,
1: I always hated it. But then my brother Chris, like, you know, him, he was in Germany at the time. Yeah, he the came Berlin out like, and the wall came down. Yeah, yeah. He was, my brother was there, and he was talking about the meaning of that song and what it was about. Yeah. And, like, this is going to sound totally corny, and it is, but, like, I read the lyrics, I listened to the song, and I cried. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that, I mean, dude, that singing and the guitar, like, it's a perfect song. I fucking love that song now. Every time I hear it, I'm, I just, I have to listen to the whole thing. It's fucking brilliant.
0: And it's funny, they they are like touring arenas right now. Yeah, they, yeah. Are. they yeah, are. They're another band. now than they've like. They're, they're another band that's had like a <laughs> resurgence and yeah. maybe it's nostalgia. Yeah, no, totally, yeah. totally, yeah. But,
1: uh, but they're huge.
0: They, they just, yeah, they played like... Mohegan well, just... Sun is like 10,000 seats. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah.
1: Well yeah. they just played like oh, a couple of years ago. They played in I think it was Greece in Athens, I think. With uh, and they had the singer from Aha come up. Oh really? And I dude, Aha is fucking great. Like that dude is an amazing singer. And it was him and the singer of Scorpions. Like oh my god. I was like holy fuck. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> I know a lot of people would probably throw tomatoes at it, but it was brilliant.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a there's a stretch of albums from like seventy eight or seventy nine to early eighties that are really really heavy in like they're a big influence on metal mm. like Metallica and the San Francisco stuff. Yeah, um, there's some really good stuff in there. Yeah, yeah that I right. that I slept I'm like, on. When's it changed? That I slept on. <laughs> you know the stuff that I stuff that I. Was there the whole time, and I never gave it the chance.
1: That's that's kind of, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. stuff right under your nose. Yeah, like the Blackout
0: album, Love Drive, Animal Magnetism, like this mm. fucking some really awesome <laughs> shit in there. <laughs> for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of some stuff that was right under my nose the whole time, but I can't think of right now. It'll come to me, though. I
2: find new stuff that's been out for you know, forever.
1: Yeah, and you just start now appreciating it. Sure, yeah. Yeah.
2: I know. Uh, nothing on the
1: radio. Sure. <laughs>
0: it's a good feeling, though. Rob Brody, he bought me a Misfits album recently. He was asking me what I thought about it. and I was like, yeah, it's like, they don't get the credit. Like, th- like there's really nothing ever sounded like that before. Yeah. You know? Elvis was They the get that credit sheet. among their
1: crowd, though. Yeah,
0: but like, again... That's a band that Elvis. Like, what did you Elvis just say? Elvis with the starship, Totally, dude. <laughs> totally. Uh, big influence on, on fucking on totally. metal, and yeah. uh, you know it's a really important band, like in the in the, uh, in the in the in the in the metal tree in the roots. You know, like in the ethos of like punk yeah. rock and metal. Yeah, for yeah. sure, yeah, for
1: sure, yeah. So many shitty recordings. Yeah. Yeah. So many brilliant songs. Like. So that's yeah. something.
0: That's something. It's not just them, but like uh, there's so many bands. When I go back now and I listen, like bands that were like w- well established. Like I can't believe like how bad some of the recordings, are produced wise, yeah, like, like, yeah. production wise. Just
2: get it out. Like, oh here's this version of this song. It's what it sounds like. No like effects, even even man. like
0: even like the, those some of those Motorhead albums. Like the production's really bad. And it's like mm. you guys like were on a label. Yeah, you know, you weren't, you weren't.
1: You could have did better. Fuck,
0: there. you weren't a stadium band, but like, <laughs> there had to be some sort of budget here. Sure, you know, you like, you were on a label. <laughs> yeah, um, so it's just crazy.
1: I think like that would like no effects, like Punk and Drublic, the the you know yeah, the quality of Punk and Drublic, not the best, brilliant album though, fucking brilliant album, rancid actually. Now I take that back. I'm thinking like Outcome the Wolves, but like the recording quality of Outcome the Wolves was fucking great. That's probably <laughs> that's
0: one of my favorite albums. Oh, it's ever.
2: a brilliant album. I love that album. Yeah. They had nice studios over there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: When I think East Coast studio, I think someone's like apartment up in building in Boston. Sure. I'm like, nah.
1: <laughs>
0: there was a really famous place in Stoughton called The Outpost. I yeah. Think Ranson, Ranson recorded oh, some music they? over there. Yeah. Or no it might have just been Lars. <laughs> But, um,
1: like Lars and the Bastards or the something? Minor, I
0: know he recorded over there because one of my buddies told me.
1: Right on. He fucking accidentally erased something. Dude, the outpost. Alpo- oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> buddy said he was
0: recording in there with his band fucking around and he no kidding. deleted something.
1: Oh, that's tragic.
0: Yeah. Shit.
1: Yeah, the outpost has a lot of really good Is it Alpost. still open? I don't know. I don't know. But they were like the shit like 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. They had a lot of shit. Yeah, that's funny, man. Yeah, you're a Rancid fan?
0: Yeah. I, lo- I, I, we, I love the bass player. Fuck yeah. And out Come the Wolves. Like that's That might still be on my phone. That's never left my rotation.
1: Dude, they're my from, big, my favorite band of from all when time it came for out. so yeah. long. <laughs> yeah, those
0: are great songs on there. Yeah. They reminded me a lot of The Clash.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Tim Armstrong, yeah. he is such a lyricist, man. Yeah. He's such a great poet. Yeah. A, amazing writer. All of them, though. Lars too. Like they, they, they had uh, all the right chemistry between each member of the band. Tim Reed yeah, a fucking great I had, drummer. I had outcome the Is it Tim Reed I know. Is it Red Hot Moon?
0: Yeah, that's the yeah. one I had. Um, I like that one.
1: Great. Yeah, it's great. There's one more. <laughs> uh, Life won't wait. That was a great album. Rancid 2000 fucking blew my mind when that came out. They're one of the bands I'd like to do a do- I I would there's I would like to do a documentary about them, but over a specific like time when when they did out they did Out Come the Wolves and then like Life Won't Wait came out. And at that time, it was kind of like this is a great album. It sounds like they might be slowing down, but some of this album's really fast and it's it's really fucking great. But then they dropped Rancid 2000, and it was like almost like crust punk, like to a degree, and it was so fast, loud, furious, and
0: fucking. I think it was awesome. Indestructible.
1: Indestructible is a great yeah, album. That's yeah. The last well, one they I'm just not. kept going, man. Yeah. Like when they put like when they put out Rancid 2000, like Actually, my my little kid brain melted. Maybe I, was I like, have four is, of them. They're the best.
0: <laughs> I think I had Let the Dominoes Fall too.
1: It's a great album. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they have Rancid, uh, they're my favorite band of all time for a long time. Still could and Lars
2: was putting stuff out in the early 2000s.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That stuff's okay. Uh,
2: I saw
0: I something it. with that bass player, like a video, where you're just saying how he plays a lot with his fingers. Yeah. But oh yeah, in the band, it's all pick. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he, he's so versatile.
0: Yeah. Like, he was saying, like, talking about John Intwistle and he was really into the finger players. Mm. There's some, uh, I mean, I play with my fingers, but there's bass players I definitely like that play with the pick. He's one of them.
1: Dude, I mean, you want to talk about great bass players, like the solo in Maxwell Murders. Yeah. Like, holy fuck. Like, that's just an amazing bass solo. It's punk rock as fuck, but, I mean, he just lays it down. But you could, like, compare him to, like, someone like Victor Wooten. Victor Wooten's a great bass player. I was going to bring him up earlier when when we were talking about how that dude said something to you about how you sound like you play guitar yeah. or whatever. Like, dude, every great bass player sounds like they could play guitar. Like, mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Victor Wooten yeah, has can't. so many leads on his fucking bass playing where you could be like, all right, Victor Wooten could probably kill a guitar.
0: Somebody's always going to not like what you do and you just have to learn how to deal with that. Like, yeah. It would have bought, it would have hurt my feelings. Oh yeah, like right. when I was younger.
2: The story that the, the, from the
1: guy, were you a guitar player? Yeah, like, is, like that. Yeah, but that's a compliment. Dude. I think some I, of the best that, bass players know how to play guitar. So I think
0: if if I was in my twenties, like <laughs> early twenties, my react, I would have probably been annoyed. But deep down inside, it would have been like a like a question my self confidence. Yeah. Know? Um, whereas now I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like thanks, thinking, thanks for coming to the show
1: no you're a thinking bass player though
0: yeah I do what I like I have to you know I do what I do and i you know whatever
1: yeah you lay it the fuck know, down and it's awesome you can only play <laughs> you
0: can only be you sure you know yeah. You, yeah I mean it's you know what's funny though like I play most of the shows I play every show except one I play on my fretless bass and it, yeah like, but when I'm home if I take the fretless bass out when I'm home play that like if you want to humble yourself and your bass player, play a fretless bass with no amp, and you'll hear, like the only sound you can hear is coming off the fretboard, and you can hear how fucking bad you are at it. Like, because I'll pick that thing up, sit in my room, and I'll play it, I'm like, I fucking suck. I'm like, oh God, I'm like, I can't, like, but I don't know what it is about live, it just might be, uh, adrenaline. the uh, sometimes it's, it might be, for some reason, coming through the amp, Like, if you're out of tune on the fretless, you'll I'll know it right away and I'll adjust. Mm. But playing at home with there's no amp, like, and you're just trying to hit the spots, like, it's like fuck, I'm out of tune. Like it's like what the fuck, you know? It's like, do I do this on stage? It's like god damn, like this (laughs) thing is it's not easy. It's not an easy instrument to play. I'm not brave enough to record with it. I'm afraid I'll be three minutes into a song and then I'll hit a sour note. It's like fuck, we gotta go back and do the whole thing again. But maybe so you, I'm overthinking it. Just go for it.
1: So you guys don't play it with click tracks?
0: We haven't, no. Um, it was brought up when we recorded our two songs last uh, year. And I think the problem was like most of the band had never played to a click track. Sure. And yeah. it was kind of like, we just want to get this fucking done to yeah, get the you fuck out of here because that, that's a out. talent yeah, learning that. how to do that yeah it's you totally know? different I could do it Sure. I mean, I, it's it's a it's a metronome.
1: I think I think ultimately playing to a click track gives you an advantage in post
0: production. It certainly does. I think the problem that day, if I remember correctly, was we could barely hear the click track through the headphones. Yeah. Like he'd start the click track, we'd start the song, and then it's like I can't fucking hear the click track stop. Yeah. And we did that like two or three times, and it was like fuck this. Mm. So we did. Uh, we just blasted right through the songs, and um, they sound good. Good. You know? But uh, some yeah, you the, don't need it. You don't well, need it. You cool don't track. need it. But a couple songs now, like w- when we were fucking around with recording in our own studio, so like there's a song that I start out on bass. There's a song where Keith starts out by himself, and if you're in, if you're playing live, no problem. But when you go back and try to lay down tracks, right. It's like, whoa, where do I come in? Where do I right. come in? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean
1: that's that's what like i yeah that's the benefit of having a click track it's not necessarily whether you can play to it or not it's all in post-production like you could you could single handedly like edit every sound that you want and make it exactly yeah exactly you You can punch it in anywhere yeah yeah i and like for a perfectionist there's nothing better than, than that you know but, you know, a lot of people swear by like the live sound, what we're feeling in the moment, and that's what we're gonna give you. And I get that. I get that. I mean, I'm
0: honest enough and I think I'm my ear is finely tuned enough. If it's uh, if it's if the tempo is swaying it only
1: makes you tighter.
0: I'll 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 know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. For you know? sure, for sure. But um yeah, it's something you have to learn how to do and on that particular day we were having trouble hearing it. So we were like, "Fuck this!"
1: I think when anything presents a challenge and it's difficult, you should fucking do it. Yeah, like anything that is makes it just—it's hard. I don't want to do it. It sucks. Then you should do it because it sucks.
0: Even a lot of live drummers, you know, use it live. Like, for yeah, big, like I was telling you about my friend Dave who came back from LA and he's playing in big bands out there, and he's like, all the drummers play live with a click track.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of them do. He's for like, he sure. can't. He's like.
0: You just can't do it like can't be on stage like playing with lamb of god or something like that and yeah. the fucking tempo's off and the sure. whole band's out like, yeah you can't sure do it. Like, these are big
1: big it shows also, with
0: big bands in a way though it gives you
1: creative control too because if you're doing it tight to the metronome and you can hit those spots you can do whatever you want in between them before yeah. them after them like Absolutely. it gives you a lot of control you know because if you try to do something you're not used to doing without a click track and you try to do something else to it, if that makes any sense, it might sound like shit. If you're playing in time, what I'm saying is if you're playing in time, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. You know? And I think for, like, a lot of artists, I, I think that is where, like, the, uh, the argument is. Like, they, I think a lot of people don't understand that concept. Like, if you're doing it to a click track and it's the same thing every time, well, that enables you to do whatever the fuck you want around it. But if you're just doing whatever you want without a click track, okay, you can try to do something around it, but it probably isn't going to fucking be in time. You know? You run that risk. There's a
2: punch-in, punch-out mechanism. Yeah. Press a button or a pedal. Right. And that's how you hit your timing. Right. You don't have to rely on a metronome. Right. It's all manual.
1: Yeah, sure but without a metronome you're running the risk of not being able to do exactly what you want whenever you want. No, not. Yeah, you are. You're you're going to run out of rhythm. You're going chances are, you're going to fuck up the rhythm.
2: The rhythm's already there. The song is playing, the tracks are playing with the rhythm. It's not going to change. That's the tempo you got to keep right there. It's it depends recorded. on what you're
1: trying to do around the rhythm. It depends. I, I know what you're saying. I get it. I played, I would think I've played... I've recorded many I would think things about a metronome. Like, I know what you're saying. I would
0: think it would be... But when you're doing it live, like it's really different. important, especially like so, like punching in solos and things like that.
1: Yeah, well, we're talking about playing live. It's completely different. Oh, yeah. yeah it's completely different.
3: I
2: don't use a live metronome. Fuck that shit.
1: Record a song. <laughs> record a song without a metronome. Play it live, and then try to add stuff. So to we, it, have
0: we, it. Have a new, we have we have a new we have a new we punch it in. We have a new song that okay. is the
2: tracks keeping the tempo as you're playing along to it. That's how it works.
0: I
1: understand that.
2: So that's how you do it without what you're talking about.
1: <clears throat> yeah, but it it depends on what you're trying to add to it. Around it, like I, I get what you're saying. I understand that I've done it a million times. But like, if you're playing tight to a metronome, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. There's just
0: that's it. We have a new song that's really slow and sludgy. I don't even know if you've heard it. Uh, and I know what I noticed the f- couple of times. Couple of times we played it, like it sped up. And I can tell by the because it's a it's a it's a I I have to do like the bass riff. It starts down here on the fretboard and it works its way up here. And if I'm playing it slow, it's not a problem. But Tempo if changes are. A but if giant it speeds up, it's thing. like I gotta go back. I gotta like get you're back not gonna, really fast.
1: Yeah, you're not gonna get it. So it's like. The tempo changes are the biggest thing. Yeah, that's yeah. the
0: problem. And it's natural to it hap- it's not that you're not a if you're not playing good to a musician, metronome, your tempo just, is gonna change. Even if it's uh, off a
1: cunt hair, it's gonna change.
0: Yeah, and it's not even it can be just like
2: w- you can't use tempo changes in your song if you have a
1: metronome.
0: Yeah, you can. Yeah, you well, program I, your absolutely you metronome. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking about that too. Program like you to,
2: your metronome. What if you lose place in that? Yeah, you
0: have to like you if, can't if, play if you a do consistent
1: have, tempo without it. It won't happen. But I would
0: assume, like, if there's a time change in the song, the engineer would change the metronome, the click track, right. Tempo as well. That's right? what you would yeah, do. Exactly, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, and you'd rehearse I'm, it. Beforehand. We. It's funny the software we have, there is a click track built into it. Um, we just haven't used it, and maybe we'll try it, especially for the newer song.
1: It's worth it just for being tight. Like again, I know what Brian's saying. Like you can play live. Without a metronome, you can record without a metronome. You can do that for sure. There is going to be slowdowns and speed, speed ups that are just a ch off.
0: The slowdowns, it's funny. I mean, the, the, the slow, <laughs> it, it's funny. People worry about playing too fast. Or-
1: yeah, I don't know. So, like, my final take on the whole metronome thing is this like, if you want to record a live album without a metronome, do it. It's fucking. Awesome. Many bands do it. It sounds great. If you really want to like, spend your time in, in a studio and you're, you're taking your time to release the perfect thing, use a metronome. It's only going to make life way easier on all of you if you're used to it. And if you're not used to it, get used to it. What do you think, Alex? I agree. Yeah? Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Brian? <laughs> I love you. How was your show? Agree to disagree. Last, I,
0: I meant to. I didn't come to your gig because I was checking out another oh, venue. Alex, we're, trying, we're to get.
1: trying to close this thing. Uh, the got, show. Ten the show was fun. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, it was fun, man. There was, um, um, it was one of it was probably our worst performance as the Woods. Um, we we usually we have a great time anyway, but uh, there was a. Uh, there was some issues with uh, drinking in the band. Huh. Our drama was falling off a stool, dropping sticks and shit. I love you, Ronnie. It's cool. <laughs> it's rock we and had, roll. We had fun. And then, um, yeah, after the show, I, uh, I, I, I felt good all night. I had been conducting myself, you know, fairly well. And then I took a hit of something or somebody gave me something and then in my brain it all just collapsed and I don't remember the rest of the night. <laughs> Thank God for Bry Guy over here. He got me home safe, made sure the equipment was good. So, yeah, that's how that went. <laughs> it was a, it was a, um, a rare night. <laughs> but uh, it was a good night. I don't know. It was a lot of fun. A lot of people there.
0: That's good to hear. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was a blast from what I can remember. (laughs) Where were you that night?
0: I was doing recon at another venue. Yeah. That uh, we're trying to get into. So the band that was playing that night was the STP cover band. Yeah. That we played with at the district. uh, Stone Temple Posers. (laughs) <laughs> that's a great name. so <laughs> since they were at the venue that night i went there to see them uh, but i was really checking out the venue um and it was funny they were the club so this club over norton hillside johnny's i guess what they're doing is they're looking at who's playing at the district and it's mostly tribute bands yeah they, I
1: heard the Stone Temple po- Poses are fucking awesome. They're really good, and
0: they're really nice guys. Uh, nice. We had a great show with them nice. over at the district, and uh, the guy from Stone Temple Poser said when the Hillside Johnnies called them and asked them to play, he was like, "We just played with the Rocket Gods at the district, and they they were great." But the guy didn't. The guy only wanted tribute bands. Really? So I was like, ugh. ugh. Yeah, it's kind of a... I didn't know how big the tribute thing was. It's I, huge. It's, it's like, huge. every every place is... Like, there's not many places like the C-Note that are having original bands. Yeah, they're selling nostalgia. As far as I know, the only original bands that played at the district, like, over the last year, where obviously you have, you, you have a couple, of, like, uh, well-known artists, like John Cafferty mm. it still goes there. He's on the schedule, but that night the trap show where you and I played mm. and the district asked us to come back. Yeah. A month later. That's it. Yeah. And the rest of it's all tribute bands.
1: Shout out to Adam Brandon, by the way. That's Fucking a great promoter, man. It's
0: it's, a, it's probably the nicest place I've ever played. Yeah. That like I cool. played some cool places, but some times the cool places are also dumps. That's like actually a beautiful venue. It is clean. You know,
1: yeah, they do a great job over there. Yeah. We had Adam on a few weeks ago. We had some technical difficulties and uh he's coming back so oh, we really? can have a solid episode with him. Dude, it was one of our favorite episodes. Dude, he gave
0: us like a crazy intro that night. Yeah. When we when we went back there the second time. Oh, fantastic.
1: Yeah. What did he do? He
0: just he, he just the way he announced us, he talked about how he used to see us at the Skeller and this and that. I was like <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, right. yeah, He's like, I haven't seen these guys ever since I used to go to the Rat Skiller hanging out.
1: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, he talked about the rat when he was on our show,
0: and that sound guy is a riot.
1: Oh, dude, he's a character, man. Dude,
0: so that night you and I played there, the Trapped show. I was like, I was ready to go home. <laughs> Because when I got there, like every venue you go to, there's a place to put your gear. There's nowhere to put your gear there.
1: Yeah, Trapped had all their gear where you should be able to put your gear. So
0: I was like, where should I put my stuff? And the guy's like, the basement. I'm like, the fucking basement? I was like, the fucking basement? Put my shit in the basement? He's like, yeah, roll it over and take the elevator. It's like, well, glad I have wheels on my shit. So I'm setting up in the basement and I, I hear, I stayed to watch your set. And then when Broken Vanity came on, I went down to the basement to get ready and uh, I watched a couple of their songs and I came back up and by the time the stage was clear and I get my gear up there, there's nowhere to plug in. (laughs) There's nowhere to plug in. I got people with flashlights looking and I'm like, I'm getting annoyed because like time's going by. We were supposed to have 45 minutes and it's cutting down. Yeah. And, uh, I took out my own extension cord and started running it. And the guy's like, no, 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 don't run that over those cables. And I almost snapped at him. Like, yeah. where the fuck do you want me to plug in? And I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I pulled it back. And, uh, like, I was so annoyed by the time the show started. I would have gone home, except if there were people that bought tickets to see us. Yeah. I would have been like, fuck this place. Yeah. But it was one of those nights where, like, everything was stressful and... You just saw it through. The first <laughs> note we hit. It's, and that was a night, too. They, wanted, they told us to use the corner. Like, you don't have the use of the full stage.
1: Yes. You guys ended up using it, We though. creeped out a little bit because yeah. we had
0: to because there's four of us. Yes. Yeah. But that was um, great. It was, I was like, everything that's gone wrong... Has gone wrong here. And uh, <laughs> the very first note of the very first song, I just knew it was one of those nights. It was like, oh, it's a good, it's a good, it was going to be a good night. Yeah. Like, yeah. good show. It was a great like, we're, show. We're, we're, we're on tonight. You know, like sometimes you just know, like right from the beginning, like you're on. Yeah. Like the band's on tonight. And uh, yeah, then they had us come back and then we had a full stage, <laughs> full, full use of the stage. Beautiful. Keith said something to me that night for uh when we played with you oh Keith was livid I said I said to Keith I was like why don't you go out in the center of the stage and I'll stand next to Pat I'll set up next to him so he can hear me and he's like he said to me he said you take center stage because you're the talent in this band and I almost fucking cried dude oh, I almost like I oh. fucking I almost I almost and then then when we went back the second time uh it was we played there like a couple days after my mother died and uh this guy came up to us after, and uh, mm. he was saying how he had just buried his wife, yeah. and he was so happy. He loved us so much, and we made him so happy. Thank God. I had to step away. Yeah, I was like, because I'm a like cold hearted bastard. And I was like, ah, I'm gonna fucking cry. Mm. I was like, I gotta, I gotta step away here. But uh, that, That's that was beautiful. Yeah, that was a that was a great night. Um, so hopefully we'll be back. I, I wish they'd give more original bands a chance over there. Sure. you know yeah because we pulled a lot of people in there for that stp show and uh
1: i wish i could have gone to that
0: it's tough dude it's tough it's even i always have the intention to going to every show but it's tough yeah you know
1: there's just not enough time in the world
0: yeah it's tough when you have kids exactly yeah yeah
1: what uh what are you guys doing
0: next we're just recording right now we we held off booking shows so we can record but i think we're gonna start booking shows because the recording is taking longer than we probably had expected and i don't want to go like the summer without having a f- shows Why? Oh, so think. yeah we'll be setting up shows
1: well i think either way the world is lucky to hear your new shit and see you live thank you yeah man Appreciate thanks it. for coming on thanks
0: for having me i know this was like a uh those are the consolation prize because you're. Uh, <laughs> you had a cancellation, but I had a, a good time. Yeah.
1: Dude, it happens. But you know what? I would love for you to come on whenever you want. I'd like to get all of us in here. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. I would love to get all you guys yeah. in here too. Thanks for doing this, Alex. Thank you. Yeah, it's been an honor, man.
0: Hard Rock Live.
3: And then my can see if them my bodies can't see if them pigs could fly